Behold, Melvin, son of Elvin. This is awesome because yes, we're hot and gross and sweaty and uncomfortable, but we never have to see this movie again. <laughs> yeah, because this is the third of the three and oh boy, it's a stinker. You did this to us, Daria. You made us do this. Was it just, are you referring to just the Summer of Albert or are you referring to this podcast in general? No, no, no. It's just I, a pod- the, exploitation the claim. The podcast has been awesome and I've seen films I wouldn't have watched otherwise and really enjoyed. And I don't even necessarily I, so hate the TBH, sum- we've seen films we would have watched otherwise. <laughs> were horrendous. Yeah, I really listened to our plug episode the other day. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, but we have a new level. If a movie is worse than plug, we now know that it is the worst movie it, we could ever see. Yeah. Yeah. I mistakenly thought I knew what a bad movie was until I saw no. plug. Yep. Yeah. If a movie is as bad as plug, it should yep. be set on fire, then you burn the ashes yes. again. Yes. It should not exist. I can't believe they spent money restoring and restoring in a very loose term. <laughs> anyway, that's not Hi. the case here. Hi, why are you here? I'm November. Uh, I'm Callum. And I'm Daria. And we are Podsploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. And this episode, this is the third of the Alvin Purple series. The Summer of Alvin, which started off nicely, made it through. Nicely? Well, surprising. It started off more surprising mm. than I thought. A good old-fashioned, old-school, let's see what we can get away with sex romp. And then... Yes, it had goodwill, didn't it? It, it had, had goodwill. Good will. It, like, yeah. as I said at the time, it had goodwill and it was using something new. Actually, then it I... faltered. Then it faltered. And then this. So we've made it all the way to 1984 with Melvin, son of Alvin. So, the entire description of this on IMDb... Mm-hmm. A shy young man is irresistible to women. That's wow. it. That's what they've got. Shy. That's yeah. an interesting definition. Oh, he's pretty shy. He's not shy with his mates. That's saying he's that he's just scared of women because that's... they keep trying to rape him. That's like saying that a man with no legs is a bit short. It's sort of missing a fundamental aspect Maybe of his. He has a his... really long torso. Uh, good point. All right. Good point. <laughs> But yeah. No, what I actually said was that Alvin pushed the envelope, Alvin rides again, put the wrong return address on it, and then Melvin put a turd inside and left it burning on someone's doorstep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Callum, well done. That was fucking brilliant. This is so bad. You are about to experience the most disgusting exploitation that's ever yes, been made in fortune to stumble. Hey-ho, that's only. Now Melvin's got it, and every woman he meets wants it. Sex just seems so dangerous. For the first time oh, I'm the shark. At least they were keeping the tradition of the really fucking annoying music. A surefire chip off the old block, Melvin Purple more than lives up to his legendary... Oh, it's not Melvin Purple, though, is it? No, it's not Melvin Purple. your life with Melvin, son of Alvin, 8.30 Wednesday on 7. 8.30 Wednesday on 7. Wow. Oh, dear. This was the first exploitation film I ever saw, and it's a miracle I watched another motion picture oh ever God. again. This didn't put you off the concept of exploitation. Wow. So this is the first you saw, and you wanted to do a podcast on exploitation. Jesus. <laughs> Having seen this, because... Callum and I had not seen this. Nope, nope. Didn't even know it existed, and we were happier before it. (laughs) 
And we watched it in... No, I actually watched it in 2021, so I can't say that... You can't blame 2020 Actually, no, this. I did see it first He's last year. building up to a 2020 vision joke. Yeah, no. no I was going to oh. say that it was mid-2020, but no. Yeah, oh my God. What were the circumstances in which you watched this? Yeah, did you come Came across on... it, so to speak, on well, the telly? Yeah, pretty much. On Channel much. 7 it was, at 8.30? It... Oh, shh. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be SBS, would it? That's where you usually get the boobs, but... No, it was, it was I, know it was, I know it was late one night, so it was probably after whatever I'd watched properly and I just left the TV on. I was like... What is this? Where wow. were your parents? That's a little bit like leaving the they fridge probably, door open. They've probably long gone to bed. Yeah. Accidentally left the television on. It's just, mm. oh my God. Well, you think I left it on purpose? No, 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 no. Terrible things can happen when you just leave stuff running in the background. Yeah. Oh dear. Yes. Uh, and which means it was even more bewildering because I had no context what the hell an Alvin was or why I should care about his kid. Oh God, oh, wow. Are you? Oh, like, I'm guessing 16, late teens, Jesus. something. Gosh. So we knew each other. Just about. Could be. Could be. Wow. Wow. I wonder if we had this discussion in school. <laughs> yeah. Now I've I saw college. this horrible movie last night. <laughs> i tell you about it in about 30 years. <laughs> so <laughs> it has the vibe of, and this is the shift between 70s sex comedies and 80s sex comedies. Mm. Please. It has the leftover concepts of 70s sex comedies, namely supposedly being an Alvin Purple movie. Mm. Yes. But it very much feels like an 80s one where it doesn't have that sliver of the same sliver of innocent fun maybe yeah. that is yeah. not not innocent entirely but certainly not in the same way and even though there's plenty of nudity in the 70s it felt worse even though things sort of progressed in the 10 years since we last saw this series yeah. look in the first 30 seconds there are topless women competing to feed baby melvin in front of his mother, who's mm. just given birth. And look, we three are childless, but we read. Mm. And I'm thinking just after you've torn your body apart, not that horny and not necessarily associating your tits with yeah. that was not a feeding vibe. Even if they were competing to feed, the everything else surrounding it, including the music, very much oh. implies oh, the music. these grown women are sexually exposing themselves because a, they're attracted yeah. to the baby. baby. They are attracted yeah. to the baby. The yeah. opening six. We talk about the fact that you have to view these movies in the era in which they're made. You have to view them with sensibilities set for that time. There are no sensibilities that make the opening credits better. There are even to the point where when they start doing the birthday parties, the opening credits are so bad. Not only did it get me not into the film to begin with, but it made me question the Your actual sanity. not quite <laughs> the actual filming of the sequences, the actual setting a child down and having other children kiss them in that environment, setting seven-year-olds down and putting a donkey penis on it. The concept of how you film this with actual child actors yeah, okay. in a way that yeah, doesn't that's... make it creepy as fuck. Yeah, and this is something so right. I brushed on. I can't remember if I brushed on it in an earlier episode or just mentioned it to save to this one, but this is one of the sharp divides between this and its two predecessors, especially its first predecessor. Yeah. We saw Alvin at his youngest at 16, but he was played by a 20-something man yes. in a school uniform. Yes. And that gives yes. you enough of a reality disconnect mm -hmm. to go with it. If you think about it too hard, it's icky, but it is not a child actor being sexualized on screen. Whereas nope. we have babies. Yes, and the theme music, for those who haven't heard, Aren't says, you grateful, though, that you don't have to listen to the same theme song from the previous two? 
I mean, small masses. Well, we did. <laughs> yeah, that's not that like. True. Yeah, they slipped Brian Cat a couple of bucks to use a recording. Oh at some God, point. yes, a few times. I've got some. The theme music says that the nurses all went weak at the knees when this baby was born. Yeah, yeah. that's fucked. Oh, the song "Bad to the Bone" talks about the fact that when he's born uh, as a baby, yeah, the nurse immediately recognizes oh, he'll around. be trouble. Yes, mm. and they see that he'll be a problem. They're not turned on by him; they just think, for whatever reason, babies are evil. And you know, well, who yeah, amongst well, us absolutely. can't? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm 100% with Dario on this one. Like, from the word go, we are sexualizing an infant. It's so bad. So bad. So that's the yeah. first 30 seconds. Yes. We've got his third birthday. There are six three-year-olds sitting around playing spin the bottle. Mm-hmm. They're six-year-olds. Yep. All are, all the others are girls. Yeah, I noticed no, that. No, there's one boy. Oh, is there one boy? All the girls try to kiss him. The boy doesn't. Okay. But, okay. Uh, there is was... one boy. Though I do have a it's question. Cold. Have you ever played or even seen Spin the Bottle being played. I never have in my whole life. I only know it from film and TV. I saw some people were about to play it once and didn't, so don't know if that counts. Was that college? Would have been a year or three after maybe, but that uh, kind of age. Oh, so full grown ass adults are playing Spin the Bottle. Oh yes, this is adults screwing around. This isn't six year olds. Yeah, I've not seen... Even if it wasn't six-year-olds, I thought it'd be, like, teens. I've seen cupboards. Oh, five minutes in heaven or whatever. Seven minutes. The spin the bottles things, it was more, let's do this silly teenage thing. Yeah, that we've only learnt from TV. Yeah, so all the girls move in to kiss Melvin en masse (laughs) after spin the bottle. Fifth birthday, pin the tail of the doggy, wah-ha-ha, turns out it looks like a penis. All the girls try to kiss... Hang on, hang on. They're actually seven-year-olds, so it's fine. Oh, was it? oh, it was seven, wasn't yeah. it? I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm look, sorry, I was factually incorrect. Donkey dicks at five, totally agree. That's inappropriate. Terrible. Donkey dicks at but seven, seven, yeah, totally no, fine. All over that yeah. shit. <laughs> if nothing else, this film knows its own chronology. Eleventh <laughs> <laughs> birthday, five girls spin the bottle, look up, realize Melvin's gone. Mum points to the cupboard where he's hiding. Yeah, he's in the there. Fucking bunch, mum. Yeah. yeah, he's in there, covered in improvised. Armor. Mm, looking very much like the dude from Bad Taste, I will actually say. Then we have. I thought Reckless Kelly. Uh, no. Yeah, same, actually. <laughs> then we have Teenage Melvin in the classroom. All the schoolgirls are into. At least the teacher isn't, at least. Yeah. Because mm. in the first one, he was sleeping with the principal's wife. No, I got the vibe that the teacher was noticing him too. Did you? I didn't. I didn't. Mm. At first, I thought. It was then from the next bits, I thought, oh, no, that's just her weird teacher voice. Okay, yeah. The girls follow him to the bathroom, mm-hmm. collect his Which urine. has a door wide open straight to the urinal. I know male toilets, there's always a divide between the, is, the door there? and like an the urinal. Yes, yes. <laughs> if only you would let air out as well. They collect his urine and the school crossing lady... Helps him cross the street, then rips her top open and flashes this teenager. Mm-hmm. And that's the so first she's in six and now. a half fucking minutes. <laughs> oh, don't forget the urine drinking. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, I forgot yes. the urine drinking. Six and a half minutes and we have established the entire tone of this yeah. film. With a sideline into, here's a bunch of teenage girls for piss fetish. Yep. <laughs> okay, maybe this is for later for the deep dive. Oh, we can dive deep now. All right, okay. Because we struggled with this, we didn't struggle with this, but we discussed this in the last two episodes, what the actual allure was. And we agreed it wasn't visual because we agreed that 
when people the saw of Melvin or Alvin. 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 Oh, when oh, the... oh, oh, right. Okay, I see what you're saying. So you're so not the... saying what the allure is of the movies. No. Oh God, no. Yeah. Oh, I haven't so got what a fucking, the allure got a of fucking Alvin slash Melvin do, is. You do not need to watch this if it's not your job. Yeah. What the allure of Alvin is. What the what Unless the general. Unless it's on TV and you're a teen and you want to see boobies. No. If you want to see boobies, use the internet, please. There are an amazing collection of boobies there. Plus, also other sex that might actually expand your horizons and not. Anyway. My point being that we sort of have come down, although we never said it explicitly from the last two re-listening, we came down on it roughly being like a pheromonal thing, some kind of weird we? No, I came down on aura. the that's, that's just how some people are. It just happens. Yeah, and well, sorry, okay, yes, a mystical allure, some kind of strange thing. Couldn't tell if the girls were passing around the piss and smelling it. They were. They were smelling it. Well, a few did. I don't know if they all were, but yeah. Oh my uh, uh, Sorry, no, I was just too grossed out to form words. No, that's okay. Please continue. And so there was a little bit of that urine sharing and swapping around and stuff, which suggests that there might be some kind of chemical thing. We should just say it's in a bottle right now. It's in a milk bottle. And then it's passed to the... A glass bottle. He nabs it, the teacher busts him, says... And Thank you for spending your hard-earned hard pocket money on buying me a drink. Pulls a straw from her straw drawer? <laughs> yes, apparently. Um, it's where she gives her straw man arguments. Drinks <laughs> it. And then her reaction suggests it's like hardcore liquor. It's not a grossed yeah, out she's not grossed weird out reaction. Yet. It's like she kind it's, of she... faints. But is that just fainting from disgust? Well, I don't I know. I thought that so... was given her reaction later to accidentally doing the same thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Because the folly on this is weird AF. Because why not pretend to be being sick rather than... Because it was a weird, strange... Yeah, I when I first watched it, I'm like, okay, so she's knocked out by the concentrated purpleness <laughs> of whatever it was. But then later on, we establish that a girl doesn't find him attractive because she can't see him, because she's got no glasses on. So it's purely visual. It's purely visual, yes. It's magic, basically. It's magic. By it's, yeah. by it's magic. It's, it's, yeah, okay, you're right. right. It's TV magic. Yeah. By this point, how does Alvin attract women has gone to, well, I guess I just don't know, to, mm. no, I have no idea. Yeah. And even uh, at least the second movie in particular at least kind of went down the road of what is it about you? Because that's when Spike the friend is going, right. you're, not you're not good, good looking. looking or everything. Whereas, and here is another failing of this movie. Oh, God, another oh, failing. Oh, God, where to start? The actor is objectively attractive as a male actor, and in particular during that time period, he would have been quite attractive. Yeah. So, and it's um, not bad looking now, I've got to say. Hey, nice. Oh, I've got more to say on that dude later. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, so basically within the opening scene, we have a mother who's prepared to sell out her son to the girls. Although, do we think that might be an extension later on of the reveal that she's got the hyacinth bouquet issue of wanting to use him? I don't think she does when he's that age. Yeah, I don't think... When he's 11. I don't think those are very connected other than the she's not a great mother part. Yeah. Oh, no, she's racist and social climbing and disgusting. And, oh, my son wants to avoid you. He's over there. Yeah, he's in the cupboard, terrified because of the party where I assume I've invited all the girls because he's never going to invite a girl to his party. No, you're right. He's not. Yeah. Wow. Why wasn't he sent to an old boy's school? Because he Bad had to mother. get over it. He yeah. had to be... Unless this is simply one of the you-go-to-the-school-near-you places. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they absolutely don't live in poverty at all, but... They were yes, a nice big corner as... block. <laughs> Although, as <laughs> I discovered... Not as well off as uh, she would want. As I discovered mm. relatively recently, back then you could still buy houses for five figures. Well and truly, even in the mid eighties. How's the Delorean working for... at the moment? Well, you uh, don't know she's being fixed. She's being fixed, funnily yeah. enough. Yes, <laughs> hopefully not going to live in it. But yeah, so it establishes its tone straight off the bat, and that tone is 
fucking terrible. You guys, you had me fooled. I thought you were serious about the girls. <laughs> Melvin's father, dad, like step, the step one dad. he thinks is his dad, but I guess it's his stepdad, runs a topless car wash. And exploits so, his son's magnetism. To... So Melvin has a cue of his own and then chicks have different cues. It looks like they go through the car wash and go to the topless people to get the car dried off. Mm. Dude turns up on a motorbike wanting, quote-unquote, topless Melvin, because they're technically not topless, they're wearing transparent vests. Yeah, that yeah. kind of clear plastic thing that was sort of big in the late 70s, early 80s. Those kind of I weird, think this is also, they're technically not naked. Thing. Yeah, I thought that yeah. too, yeah. And this stereotypically gay biker dude wants Melvin to give him a rub down. Yeah. And the dad, Mr. Simpson makes it pretty clear that the guys go to the girls and the girls go to the guys around here. Mm. Biker's not impressed and just sort of stomps off to the bathrooms as it happens. To dry himself off or whatever it yeah. is. And there is a sign. Bear in mind, we're not sort of just taking cues that he's gay. There's that he wants Melvin to rub him down and he's behaving super camp. Super yeah, camp. Yeah, super camp. And also he's way too small for the bike as well. He, the actor really oh struggled, God, the actor really struggled with, with the bike. bike. <laughs> Sorry, I had to point that out. And on the way to the bathroom, he sees a sign selling various helping items that says AIDS for the motorist. And AIDS in giant letters and right he, next to the man. He does a double take and he basically Dracula with garlics his way around the sign so any making a really noise yeah Yeah. and that's in 1984 that's fucking atrocious i yeah oh it mm, i remember the kind of terrible jokes i would tell in primary school before i understood anything if it was just a laugh it's because i was a white kid they'd be racist and they'd be sexist and there'd be gay jokes and there'd be all that kind of stuff and it's it was always made racist sexist homophobic country and Mm. we are constantly trying to self-adjust and those jokes were made for the laugh without any thought about the Mm. impact or what it meant and the extension of this whole movie is is like it's written by primary school kids every joke no, high school kids. No, high school kids. This is abs... Oh, fuck. I'm feeling really bad now for the people who wrote this. But yeah, now and you said that, it's exactly this is young a high school humour. It's young high school humour. This is a joke. This is a joke. And I'm going to say, as we've discovered, Morris Gleitzman, who's down as the screenplay... Gleitzman, sorry. Uh, who's down as a screenplay writer on this one, has gone on to do amazing things. He's big news. Yeah. yeah. He is pretty much... You would not expect him to have written this movie. At first I thought this was a joke or was some other Morris Gleitzman had written oh, it. Oh, wow. That's how out of place it looks knowing his other work. He wrote the very acclaimed Two Weeks with the Queen. He's done a lot of kids' books. I was going to say it's a little bit like this had suddenly turned out to be made by Roald Dahl, but Roald Dahl was, was kind of creepy and weird and strange at the time. Oh, yeah, anyway. fuck yeah. Because Roald Dahl, no way would that message say, I'm not going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. It's awful now. It's terrible now. Even then, the cheap laughs, the shitty laughs that you would have the stereotypical gay guy in an era when people were joking about gay people, you still would hit a point like an AIDS joke. In Surely no grown adult in 1984 would have thought that a joke about AIDS followed up really, really quickly like, with a joke about herpes. What do you think your audience... Like, how... Well, it's not just Loaded an AIDS joke, it's audiences. a gay people get AIDS joke. That's why it's yeah. funny. Yeah. So 
we have skipped a little bit ahead, <laughs> as we tend to. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, we did skip the sheep shagging joke, but there'll be another sheep shagging joke so we can pick yeah, that up that's later. True. There is, and of course, I will point out that there were really awesome Sandman wagons, the three uh, cars that the various triumvirate of things are in is Sandman's. Which yes, because we have awesome this fantastic Sandman. What do you got? It's not a car, it's not a unit, it's not a truck. Oh, yeah. Well, look, before we knock off, the uh, young mate here is on here to tell you about the, uh, what do you call it? The Sandman. It's available on new to van. You get bucket seats, sports instrumentation with taco and clock, six shift or optional T-bar automatic, six-inch wide wheels, and best of all, a tailgate that opens out. Real horny. Horny? What kind of a word is that? Young blokes, I tell you, sometimes I just can't understand them. They call it a panel van. Panel van, yes, of course it is. So it's basically, yeah. Reversing down the road, chasing Alvin. Is it reversing? It's reversing because the rear doors are open. Melvin runs away and they're reversing down the road. And they've taken most of their clothes off. They're wearing knickers, but they're trying to throw other knickers at him. I don't know how that... Maybe they just wear two. Wow. Okay, like yeah. Like the nurse it's, later. Yes. They've so got spares to like a... into Tom Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and that's during the ball. This is still the first six and a half yeah. fucking minutes. I'm going to say oh that was... Oh, my God. I don't have enough alcohol for this episode. Considering the setup of the joke, I thought it, it got a half chuckle when the two teachers are talking to each other and yeah. she says, not much of a ball, which he then looks down. Classic. But then he, he takes he his then, hand out of his pocket yeah. too. But then he says, you know, I don't the, think much of the piss and yeah. she says I've tasted worse. Yeah. 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 But then we... And that's the first six and a half minutes of this fucking yeah. film. So if nothing else, you can say... They do say sometimes the first segment of your film should set the tone for the film. Mm-hmm. They did that. They really <laughs> did. <laughs> because next we go to Channel 1 TV, Truth, Justice, Ratings. Do you remember when they would put Truth and Justice before ratings? I remember when people didn't claim ratings to one of the most three important things. Yeah, yeah they're quite clearly having a crack at we're old. We are old. This is a bit of, I think, of a cheap 80s joke of TV people want ratings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, they do. Yeah, so, so naive when looked at in 2021. And I'll say two things at this point. The character we're about to meet, I actually kind of like in the context of the film, D. Tanner, mm. the journalist. Yeah. I guess she's not terrible, and that's the best thing I can say for anyone in this. Well, we're grading on a curve. But it's yeah. yeah. And she's also immune to Melvin. I know. I realise that sexist as this film is, it seems to divide its women into two groups. Actual female characters mm-hmm. and breast delivery systems. Yes. Oh, uh, fuck see, yeah. Good point. If it wasn't for the school crossing woman, I would have said age. Mm. Because it's just, are these women fuckable? Well, actually, because you don't see her boobs. Yeah, and, when uh, she, I was when distracted she... by the fucking cowbell. The cowbell? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. yeah. We're in the universe where mammary glands make sounds, you see. Yes, oh, God, yes. yeah, we oh, yeah. really are. Yeah, we did joke about the use of sound effect during the let's hack everybody to death and turn it into a slasher film in the last movie. Yeah, there's basically oh, yeah, sound yeah, effects yeah, all the yeah. way through this one. Oh, um, yeah, this was crazy. We go to an investigative journalist... And she is trying to sell a story to MW. I'm kind of curious. Does it, do you get anything from his name? MW. Like, yeah, no. MW is the name See, of the. Now the I would say that's Michael West Media, who's one of the brilliant independent journalists of this mm. age, and everyone should subscribe. But yeah, no, that's not it for this story. No. 
yeah. the only ones I can think of were generally not held to be that kind of sleazy journalists, which are the various Willisies. No. Oh, Mike Willisie. Mike, Mike Willisie. Ooh. Could be a reference to Mike Willisie, because, yeah, it's such a weird... Remember, there was a whole bunch of Willisies. There was also Mark Willisie. There, yeah, that's right. But that's he generally right. wasn't... He wasn't dodging. Yeah, they weren't sort of super tabloidy, no. so... They'd occasionally turn up drunk on television, but, you know, everybody did that <laughs> yeah, in the 80s. so true. But, yeah, actually, God, I remember when that was such a huge story. A journalist had the temerity to be drunk on camera. <laughs> but she's done some investigative in, and she has discovered... We have no idea how she discovers the existence of Melvin. No, it makes no sense. None. We discover that Alvin is aware of the son, because he's actually ended up, well, nearly in the hospital. <sighs> He makes a point of the fact that he got as far as the elevator. Well, and then he... there was a woman with big tits, which suggests that Alvin is now attracted to women. This feels like it was not written with memory of the first two Alvin no. movies. Yeah. This, this no. was written with knowledge of what people remember Alvin Purple being for 1983 or so, without actually going and watching the others. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> completely, completely agree with you. 100%. Because that's what it is. It's like there were these series of... This guy who was just really, you know, got all the women but didn't like it. I was like, oh, that sounds great. Let's just do it. Yeah, it really feels like people who got a franchise with no idea, and they not even of what to previous. do with it, but hadn't actually seen the previous film. Yeah. Well, well, okay, so apart from, like, two characters, is there anyone in this movie that was involved with the previous two? Just the two actors? Abigail. Abigail, yeah. And... Abigail. And Brian um, Blundell. Brian Blundell. Blundell himself. I don't think so. Not that I know mm. of, or if they were, they were small enough not to pip the radar. Mm. Yeah, right. 100%, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like somebody making another one based off a really poor description of what the previous ones were about. So a game of telephone. Yeah, because I think by that point, especially with the video market still only getting going and films not being available, and most of the video market, especially depending on newer films, mm. I think... Most people remember, as you say, Alvin Purple were those movies about the guy who had sex a lot. Yeah. yeah. Because what she describes is not the backstory from the two movies we watched last two months. No. <laughs> He's on the moon! Oh, my He's God. He's on the fucking yeah. moon! Literally. And he makes the no, moon he's... move. Uh... Well, that bit's also the weird where apparently Mission Control will address one of their people as female astronaut Kathy. Female? Oh, I, my hey, God. Did Jack I, give you Total Space that down. Force vibes? I noted that down. Female astronaut on the moon during the Forrest Gump sequence. Hey, it's progressive. Because that's what we have. We get a Forrest Gump sequence. We get Alvin has been at every major event that we're You're going right. to yeah, look at. So we've got chicks going crazy at a Beatles concert, and that's because mm-hmm. Alvin's there. And the next one Next was one is the, the, uh, the Vietnam, Vietnam anti-Vietnam protest. Withdraw. 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 Oh, my God, that hurts. <laughs> Honestly, what is <laughs> this movie? Uh, it's a classic. I don't know how, but this movie was so bad that at times watching it, physically hurt and i don't know a scientific explanation for this now angle is this alvin purple had a son he never saw the kid the mother later married someone else and the son was born with the same effect on women as alvin chip off the old cock somewhere out there is an 18 year old kid screwing his little heart out just like dad except he doesn't know dad exists I want to find him, put him face to face with his real father on film. Sex freak family comes together. Sex freak family comes together. It's good television. Simple, moving, something the whole family can identify with. 
Okay, D, you've got it. Find this son of Alvin. I think it's just conflated Alvin's age and Graham Blundell's age. It does open for Boy Was Born in 1966. Right. They've gone, oh, Graham Blundell's this old, and never mind the On the Moon shit. Yeah. yeah. He was old enough to be doing things with women in the 1960s, so therefore Alvin was too, but... Mm. This film seems to push the first movie back to 1972, the first movie where he turned 21, and Mm. his son was born in 1966 when he was 15. Oh, so he's a product of... Not saying... But again, this is what Dario is saying. It's like they didn't even do the basic research of, well, how old would it be that would make sense? Him turning 21 and becoming a grown-up, an adult, a man, whatever, is a key thing in the first movie. So you can't sort of go, oh, it was actually his 28th or something. Was it... Yeah. Was Age of Consent... Ever 21 in Australia, or was it always I 18? I don't think so. I don't no, think it would be lower than 18. 16. Why 18, I think 16? 18 Did would it have... ever get as high as 21? I'd no, and certainly not surprised. in times anyone in this movie yeah. would have been alive. Because 21's never been a big age in Australia. It's not you... a thing here. It, it, it was very much a ceremonial thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was ever the official age of majority, but the age of majority and the age of consent haven't been connected in this country for quite some yeah. time. Okay, so the one thing I was actually going to say, and we've talked about this before, just before we go too much further into the movie, is the diegetic music in this. So we were talking yeah. about the Alvin theme. Mm-hmm. It appears whenever we see Alvin on screen, I mean, like on screen as in in the movie or on a small screen within the film, like television mm. or whatever. So, for example, when she finds the video, when she's talking to her editor... She, the reporter. She, the reporter. Hits play and the Alvin theme starts. Yeah. And we kind of are meant, I guess, to think it's coming through the television until she pauses the video and the, and the Alvin theme keeps, keeps playing. <laughs> and the same thing happens again towards the end when she does the big reveal to Melvin that this is his father and she shows the video and then she pauses the video but the Alvin theme keeps playing and then it turns out Alvin's listening to his own theme music in his apartment. I didn't even notice so that. Yeah, they was. really, yeah, <laughs> open the door and there's the Alvin theme. So they really got every spare cent they could get out of the whatever licensing fee they paid for the Alvin music. It's, yeah, very... Mm. Just random people I was reading that were reviewing this, I mean, almost all were saying how bad it was, but everyone was praising the Melvin theme. It was like, it's got this great theme song in it. I, one person did say, could you only afford one song? But, of course, it was... Oh, my they God, they had should the listen album. to any of the other... <laughs> yes, yes, they could. No, they could but, only afford no, one music was a good thing in the two previous albums. It had Brian Cadd. Actually, no, that's true. There were yeah, a couple of different songs. November said in the first <clears throat> one, Brian Cadd made this movie. No, that's yeah. true. Unfortunately, um, he didn't make this one. No. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't involved in this one at all. But, uh, yes, the reuse of a particular theme is a running theme. Theme? <laughs> <laughs> with the Ozploitation movies. movies, movies you know, you get that yeah. one song and then you run it over and over. So, yeah, if, if that was the first time you've noticed it, then you, good luck with all the others you'll be watching. <laughs> Annoyingly, the Melvin theme song is catchy as balls. Yeah, so I was the... really thinking of you having to do the editing. <laughs> I was going to say that the couple of 80s tracks they have in this, I actually really didn't mind. Yeah, but you're such an 80s sucker. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's with the lyrics. Park the lyrics on the fucking Melvin theme because we don't need that. But, yeah, the music itself, kind of cool. And and that's like, what the first two movies got right, too. Mm. Yeah. And oh, although, oh, my God, there was one point which I really wanted to mention. So we kind of skipped over this, but there's a sequence in the cinema. This is actually the first time we're introduced to Gloria. So there was a sequence in the cinema. The where uh, other main character. The yeah, other main character, because we already got to the top this of the This is going to be the longest podcast ever. You say that every time. This one might not be. <laughs> So there's one of the sequences early on where Melvin's taken to the cinema with his mates and yep. they go to see Dracula Professor meets Gandhi. Gandhi. 
<laughs> which is so cool. So cool. And I've got to say, the little special effect of all the blood coming out of Gandhi and you see the little hand glove go, <laughs> kind of cool. But we see a sequence, they're in the cinema and the girls go all crazy and we get another introduction to the fact that one of his mates as a virgin is completely unable to deal with girls when the opportunity is presented to them. Huh? So the guy turns to a girl who sits down beside him and oh, says, come here often. Yeah, so we have two tropes of Melvin's friends. So Melvin is irresistible to women. He has an overweight friend and a shorter, and the, skinnier friend. Which so is pretty, much, pretty much standard model for your 80s sex yeah, comedy. Exactly. It's your 80s sex comedy yeah. trope. And indeed, the cool guy who's actually genuinely hopeless when it comes right down to it is a big trope all through the 80s, even if you don't have the unattractive other friend as well. Yeah. There are, I yeah, mean, not conventionally attractive, but... I'm thinking in particular the one that it really struck me he was like was the friend from my science project who is always really cool and he's always referencing other horror movies but he's always sort of shows himself off as this kind of I don't know if it's racing, a Guido character who's really big with What's the ladies. A Guido character. I this, I'm actually asking Lothario? that in yeah. Okay, yeah. Lothario? Yeah. And I guess Guido was Lothario's first name. <laughs> <laughs> Guido Lothario. Guido Lothario. Um, I think and, Lothario is a middle name. It's going to be like Guido Lothario Smith. Yeah, and he's always the cool one, and mm. then whenever it's actually Well, that'd presented... be the... Is it brother or like the cousin here, Theo? Gloria's... Oh, no, Theo's just creepy. He appears like two or three times in this movie just to sort of be creepy and flesh out the numbers attacking the purple house at the end. Like... And also fuck chickens. I didn't get fucked chickens. I thought he was more interested oh, in no. food than... No, he fucks those chickens because there's a running gag. He makes like yeah, a, no, true, you're right. a woman he... shape out of the deli products. Yes, he does. And positions the chicken. Of which there's one left. And then it's sold to the old lady. Oh, God. Who then eats it later on or is going to eat it later on with her husband. It's a running gag. I totally missed fucking chickens. I guess I couldn't comprehend well actually they reference it chickens they reference it twice so the first time is when the mother is going to cook chicken for a melvin and it's chicken that oh. she got cheap from her cousin yeah he's obviously is it a cousin or a nephew though a nephew maybe or yeah and he's sort of got this staring at it i don't think it's meant to be the same chicken i think he's supposed to be no, still remembering chickens. theo's activities yes. there are two chickens in this film there's the pre-fucked chicken <laughs> that was with the that, that is with mrs giannis and there's the actively fucked chicken, which is presented to the lady that is then used later on as a gag. Oh, gosh. I know, right? Anyway, but that's not the chi- that's not what I was talking hurts. about. <laughs> it really does. So, yeah, there's the sequence where the girl sits down next to the cool friend who then says, do you come here often? And she goes... Do you uh, come here often? Only if I get enough foreplay. And he instantly deflates He's and goes, like, oh, right then. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway... So, Melvin's in the cinema. Some girls want to trade some popcorn for sex. Mm, Yeah. And that's the other thing is, we talked about the previous two films, even the second one, which kind of fumbled a fair bit. We agree there was a level of innocence about it as well. It's blatant. Basically, the girl leans over and says, Me and my friends are wondering, if we give you some of our popcorn, will you come up the back and screw us? It's like, there's just not any innuendo in in your your endo. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, my God. Don't let me hang you. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. It's just blatant when Ooh. they do it. 
as it were. Is he even 18 by that stage? Is this child prostitution now? No, no, this is the start of the film. We're now in the current present. times. Yeah, yes. but is he 18? Well, according to times. Tanner, he is. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, yeah, he just turned 18, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah and she's this 18-year-old boy out there, yeah. whatever. Yes. And somehow, although I don't know how, she has at least looked at his hospital records, so we can assume she does enough sums yeah. to know his age. So she knows he's out there. So the point being that Gloria rescues him on a motorbike, and they drive out with the adventure music playing, which is kind of cool. They and stop in the park. Melvin doesn't know that it's a woman. woman. Yeah. Because he's never seen a movie who doesn't know what a fully covered suit and helmet yeah. means. Yes. It means that's really a girl. That's always a girl. Yeah. And then they stop and we get exposition, but the music keeps playing over the top of it. I don't know why that bugged the hell out of me. So the whole sequence, the action music plays, they get to the park. Yeah. She reveals that's the point to cut the music. You cut the music, he explains, you get a little exposition. Then the girls appear in the trees like the birds, as it's referenced, because yes. it's ham-fisted and they don't want you to be left behind. And then they ride off again. Well, after Ooh. saying, with Gloria saying with me, you don't have to worry about the droppings because a girl in yeah, the tree dropped girl drops underwear. Panties. Melbourne. Yeah, but the music plays constantly over the top of that. Mm. They needed to cut the music at the start of the reveal and the exposition. I don't know why the music plays. I wonder if this is this theory I've read now and again, and people argue about this to this day, so I'm not claiming wisdom on it, Mm -hmm. but I know which way it often fell in the 1980s. There is a belief amongst some that there should never be any actual silence in a film. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a television program. I was trying to sound capture from something once from. That era, and I realised I could not get this quote because there was incidental music or sound effect or something always going on. I think it's supposed to be if you make silence, the audience will get bored. Mm. The Marvel movies at the moment play that, don't they? I think the current Marvel movies are like mm. constant incidental music over them. Yeah, and I know it's debated, well, and I know some will say it has its place to do or not do this. I've read those who think it's like an actual. You must never, ever have a moment of silence in an audiovisual production, ever. Wow. Oh, wow. That's... Oh, you know, I can kind of see that in the mind of a cinema. Because the point is, if you're actually sitting in a cinema with a whole bunch of other people rattling... Their popcorn and chips. Rattling their popcorn and and coughing and, and everything, it's always opening the possibility of someone making an inappropriate noise at that moment and breaking the environment. And I've been in movies where there are silences, or at least there are very quiet periods, and you become very aware of the fact that you're surrounded by strangers who could just be stupid. And mastication is loud. Yeah. So I can kind of see that from an academic point of view if you know you're playing to a cinema, but in this day and age, who the fuck is playing to a cinema, seriously? Well, I mean, last year and... And the truth of the matter is is that silence can be incredibly powerful when used properly. Of course it can. So well there was a quiet place. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. point of doing that. And boy, how did it. The old ladies next to me decide they had to give a running commentary on that one. Oh, my God. Oh, no. And there we go. That's what? Yeah. Even Jesus. the one in which I, one of the more let's make a comment during the film people are going, no, just shut up this one because that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. There's uh, not much sound in this, is there? Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm so, so sorry, Daria. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I guess, and I, I suppose if you establish a rule, one of the first things people will do is Break subvert it, it <laughs> specifically for the creativity. And you or get... they'll go all the other way and think it can never be broken or mm. chipped ever. Yeah. Whereas, and then you get people, geniuses like the Coens, who will blatantly point out the rule while actually breaking it. Yeah, one of the movies they actually have the voiceover saying you should never have a voiceover within a film as a voiceover within the film. It's fucking amazing because the Coen brothers are on like 17 levels. Unlike the makers of Melbourne's side of Melbourne. <laughs> 
All my life, girls have hounded me in large numbers, hurled themselves at me, terrorized me. Just like that, flocks of girls appearing out of nowhere and terrorizing me, like the birds in that Hitchcock movie. Now, we were going to finish. How the hell did the reporter find out about this son? I think they point to it, but they just move the question. Because there's his mum, I think she's just called Mrs Simpson, Mm. Abigail, in the footage of Alvin emerging from the room with... Yeah, so unless they were able to identify and track every woman that was in that scene, it doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, so I think they're trying to push it. This is how, but it's just it's moving the question. Not to mention that according to the dates they're missing within this film, Melvin would have been four at this point. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yes. Think, well, which at least answers your... Do anyone ever go back for another go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's almost like a Rosebud-level plot hole because how does she know Look, about... Let's not go that No, it's, it's huge. It's... How does she know about the sun without knowing the sun exists? And if she knows the sun exists, then she doesn't need to go finding him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, how the hell does she find him? But I can think of methods, but it's all stuff we have to add. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's also all related to the internet. Unless she contacted every hospital and said, look through all your records and see if Alvin mm. Purple has any child. We've Which... established they don't use protection. Yeah. Well, they don't use condoms. Well, it was the 70s. Well, maybe the women were on birth control when you had to mm. present your fucking wedding certificate to the doctor to be able to fucking get it. Anyway. Or it just um, didn't work in her case. Yeah. She's discovered Alvin exists. This is the fucking Ghostbusters problem. That someone like Alvin, he had news reports about him. He was the latest well, news. They like the weather. showed us news reports. Yeah, that's the I thing. I mean, that... when we're first meeting the reporter, there's her held alien woman's hand, says man. I screwed her, says yeah. Alvin. And that, again, was just so blatant. You know, all of that other stuff. Yeah. It just it just fails like the same he should time. Be, yeah, he should be uber famous. And he, So how can he have any anonymity? And that's the Ghostbusters problem. The fact that between Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2, somehow New York has forgotten it was nearly destroyed completely. And so the idea that the second film, the Ghostbusters, could start is where people are still... It's, it's like everything's on film. Now, I guess, in this day and age, when we look at people like Flat Earthers... And you look at that, maybe evidence isn't required. I couldn't work out the logical step to her discovering that there is a boy out there. 18 now. She's pinned the year. Because now he's legal. Otherwise, this would be a weird story about family sex. We do discover that... (laughs) The family that comes together. And she's called Melvin Simpson, Uh, so it's not as even if she can have heard Melvin Purple somewhere and worked backwards. No. No, that's right. But I will actually point out, yes, November's Grab Another Classic. Sex Freak Family Comes Together. Mm. Classic. But classic Melvin. Classic Melvin. I think the problem, because I was thinking about this, where they decided that they wanted to make another Alvin movie, and all props to Graham Blundell, who looks really cool still. He was now too old to be an Alvin Purple, but... That's not they... true. No, 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 no. I don't think it's true at all. I think he could absolutely have carried another actual Alvin movie absolutely. if they decided to make an 80s sex romp, but they've determined he's too old because the actor would now have been in his, what, late 40s, early 50s? I don't know, but he looked the same yeah, he was in fine. the previous he film. Was... Well, yeah. He would have been pushing 40. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. 40. Ancient. Oh, God, so he would still been in his 30s. What, 1945? Oh, shit. Well, in that case, there's no excuse. Oh, my... what the fuck? Yeah, no, there's no excuse. This movie shouldn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> because I thought that what they'd done is they decided they wanted to make another Alvin movie outside of a sweet spot of ages. Yeah, and so right. they created the idea that he had a son. But, of course, the son needed to be old enough to be Exploited. the middle of a sex romp. So, yeah, that's where In they... In 1945. Shit. So... Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. so 40. Yeah, 39.40. There you go. He yeah, could would have completely, been great. Completely, mm, you, you goddamn... Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, oh, you sorry. goddamn filmmakers who... Yeah. Maybe also they had visions of a long-running franchise and they get their new star as young as possible to get as much as they can out yeah, of it. Yeah, I reckon yeah. you're right there, Finally hey. going that... But because they wanted this to be Australia's carry-on. Well, like, originally right I mean, that was the, the idea, yeah. But they stumbled it with the second movie, as we've already decided, because they went for a gangster film. This one. Yeah, so... And at least this film's chase scene didn't suck. The previous two did. I thought this chase scene in the second movie was amazing. For real? They built a hearse with machine guns and rocket launchers. And I love they that car and want to marry it. Exactly. But I the chase it... scene still sucked. Yeah, okay. Oh, shit. I just got one of the jokes. <laughs> Go on. I just got one of the jokes. I actually noted it down. There's a sequence where they, they get the cabbie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you note the same joke? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where I've they're in the... Got a quote here. Yep. This is the one. The, they're in a cab. I think we need some evasive action. That's okay. I should drive a hearse. Oh, right. There we go. Yeah. And I wrote, fuck me. Yeah, because I was like, I, get... I don't get the joke. I used to drive a hearse. Yeah. No, it's a oh, reference to the previous God. film. So, was so the... somebody at least watched the, the previous film. the driver was anybody. I don't know whether the driver was in the previous one. I'll have to double check now. Shit. Because he didn't have a name, so we don't know. Oh, my God. Actual revelation live on the podcast. <laughs> and um, I got it just because of your surprise. Yeah. So there we go. So possibly he was the driver of the hearse. But yeah, so we work on the principle that somehow the journalist is aware that somewhere in the entirety of the world is Alvin's son. And then she finds him. Yeah. Without internet. Yeah. I mean, I can believe she finds him once she knows who he is, but yeah, it's, it's, meant it's to be, uh... the first step. That's the difficult one for me. Mm. Yeah. And I guess they just happen to be in the same city. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, wait, I mean, it is I think the they've been... most populous or second most populous yeah. city in and, the country. And it is the same one Alvin had his previous adventures in, so... Yeah. yeah. We and had also, them... apparently, Melvin has lived for, in Melbourne for 18 years and never met a Greek person. Yeah. And oh my god. Okay, so we've talked already about the really worrying, troublesome sex aspect. Let's now get on to the really worrying, troublesome racism in this movie. Oh, because yeah. oh, holy oh, fuck. Yeah, a Greek person being called a grease ball was delightful. Yes. But then I've got a question about this. Uh-oh. And uh-huh. this is purely a general question to the audience. <laughs> Given the massive amount of Wog Boys humour, and I'm using that as a general, a the, genuine description Wog of the actual was Wog a Boys, title was a, was of a, a film, a, and and it was also a troupe, for want of a better word, of comedians who lent into their Greek heritage. Yeah, the Acropolis now people. The jokes about I'm Greek, therefore I don't think about sex before marriage. My no, my the, mother I don't will act be the. On it. Not, I don't yeah, think. My about mother it. will prevent us. Will be the chaperone through all of well, it. I've got written down here. Gloria decides she is the one to help because she's also a virgin and every encounter will be accompanied by her apparently always available greek mother yes who's always there would the australian greek community at the time have found those sort of jokes funny or would they be saying that's right our girls are so good <laughs> that's exactly it i'm wondering if this would have given by and this is a guess based on <clears throat> the actor's name given that both gloria and her actor seem to be of greek descent. Evangelis. yeah seem to be of greek descent I guess it might, by 1984 standards, pass the it's okay when we say it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's far from the most offensive thing you can say about someone is that in their culture, their mothers are kind of overbearing. Well... Exactly, yeah. So, the second time we meet Gloria, she's taking Melvin back to her place. Mm -hmm. And black-clad mum is upstairs, and she... 
jumps down off the balcony and lands on him. I thought that was going to be a sex thing. I thought that was going to be another oh, women I'm can't. totally irresistible. Yeah, and then it was, no, you know, well, the don't lay a finger on my daughter thing. So, again, we have unfuckable woman not yeah, interested we have, as Daria says, we now have another character as opposed to a tip delivery system. Yeah, that's right. She doesn't even have a name. She's just mum. Yeah, yeah. In the credit, she's Mrs. Giannis, the mother. Did we even learn Gloria's surname through all of this in uh, the credits? I, I don't think we did. Don't think we do. So she's just Gloria. Oh, I thought someone called the mum by the name. Oh, really? But that could be just me fogging it a bit. Yeah. I did read one write-up where they confused the name of her client for her name, but I think that was just a plain old mistake. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, sure, yeah. Incidentally, even though she was playing the stereotypically old lady mother, she's our age in this movie. Oh, yeah, I mean, you look, there's not a wrinkle on her. No. Mm. Yeah. And the actress is she's actually not old pretty all. established just, in, in yeah, Australia she, too. She's, she's just been made up and hunched over a bit. Mm. Yeah, she. I thought she was meant to be a grandmother rather than a mother, but the actress, mm. yeah... And this is another one of those, it's the cliche, it, it's the, the positive racism that's still racism, things oh, like gosh. the idea that she's incredibly, you know, she can leap from a second story window, she's strong, she can jet, uh, ski. jet ski, she can jet ski, she can do everything and anything, and of course at the time also the cliche was that basically they were the matriarchs, that kind of, of the, the classic family matriarch is in Australian culture almost based around that kind of Greek matriarch. Interestingly, um, so the mother is wearing all black, which is usually associated with her husband dying, but her husband hasn't died. Yeah. He's gay and trans. Well, he's definitely gay. Well, apparently gay and trans are the same thing. Yeah, apparently gay and... Oh, no, 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 because... How come you're not... I mean, normally when I find myself this close to girls, they try to rip all my clothes off. Melvin, I thought you would have realised by now I'm... Gay? Greek. We Greek girls are brought up not to rip clothes off people till after marriage. Before that, sex is just something boys do. Yes, that's the line. And I'm Greek, therefore there's no sexual desire. And I went, yay, racism, but then immediately began to second guess whether I'm taking on the concept that this is racism when, of that era, when you have Acropolis now and you've... I thought it was less I'm Greek, more I have a Greek mama. I mean, you think about my big fat Greek wedding in the context of this kind of a, this is the stereotype we're portraying. That's okay, I make lamb. Sorry, go on. Yeah, wonder how much actual offence people of that era would have taken and indeed even now would take of this particular type of you know, it's just I mean, looking probably at it going, oh a fair God, bit, yeah. not necessarily the language, just the caricature. No. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. But at least we don't I, have... I'm thinking a little bit on the, and this is based on the it's okay when we say it. Mm. I am wondering exactly a general thing. I can't think of many cultures immediately where if one member of the culture basically made the joke, the mothers in our culture are very overbearing, that... I can't think of one where another one would go, no, not in our culture, they're not that completely wrong. Well, yeah. it's really funny because so I, think it's yeah, actually, that's right. I think it's actually a universal joke that, that mothers, mothers are, are overbearing, but people ascribe it to their particular culture. Yeah, in fact, yeah, yeah. in You're particular, right. what this struck me as is very similar to the kind of the Jewish not mother. Not you, Penny. You're not overbearing at all. You're oh, hilarious. God, no. Mum's awesome. The Jewish mother in that kind yeah, of cliche yeah. of the American, you know, yeah, that's the, the nanny one, or, that's, yeah, or yeah. Seinfeld. It's that same kind of concept. Because mm. I just switched cultures in my head for a moment and thought... Okay, Did you go straight to Jewish when you were thinking of this film? What, just now? Yeah. Actually, I went to Irish. Irish? That's another one. Imagine if there'd been a joke about <clears throat> Irish mothers are overbearing and as someone of Irish, enough Irish extract that I can 
I'm allowed to judge that joke, if you will. Yeah. I mm. thought, no, I'd, I'd roll with that. My Irishness is too far back, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I guess, I'm just trying to think about the Scottish grandmother. I don't think they're overbearing so much as they're all McGonagall, which is very stern. <laughs> they would disapprove with, I guess, the concept of the... Well, of the stereotypical of... Scottish is to disapprove of everything anyway. Yeah, but only when it's brought into their circle. Like, you don't encounter the grandmother on the street. You don't, they're not going to be there to protect. Mm. But if you bring it into the home, they will not accept any aspect of anything you do mm. in an amusingly stern way. Yeah, this made me think of the expansive McDuck family because I've been watching DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant plays Scrooge. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he's just using his real voice. He's not even doing like an old... No, don't make me attracted to a fucking duck. You're not duckifying or olderfying, and he's just David Tennanting it. <laughs> now I understand the fucking chickens thing. <laughs> well, I was actually going to say, in the Delhi sequence, the first thing I was going to say is I had been keeping an eye out for David Argue. And I thought Theo was David Argue initially oh, when they kind of came yeah, across. Yeah. He is like um, the type of ways. He's like the type of side character David Argue often plays. Mm, yeah, that's exactly right. What a waste of David Argue. I think I've got this something really similar. Literally, I, I have those exact words. Literally, yeah. the very next film after Razorback. So we know the weird ass level he can go. And we they know give that he him... can act. He doesn't have to be a. Fu- he doesn't no. even have a name in it's this. Just Pratt Falls. He's just. And cameraman. Yeah, he's ca- he's he's pratfall cameraman, and he's yeah. It he's was such a waste. Increasingly dumb, increasingly accident prone. Yeah, and it's not funny in any no. way at all. He's the character that they go with. I actually kind of felt Tanner's frustration with him. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Because as a character, he is incredibly. As a character, he wouldn't have that job anymore. <laughs> but the thing is, and it's really funny because he actually did appear in this TV show, and I've talked about it before, Secret Valley. The interaction levels between <laughs> Which these Which came two. in on the coldest 100 the other day. The theme song for that. Oh, really? Mm. Love it. <laughs> Child television level of interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's... it's BMX Bandits. It's every TV show from that era of the wacky sidekick that the... BMX Bandits was a kids movie, but it was still aimed... Like, it was aimed at kids, mm. but to get their parents to yeah. buy it or hire it. But this level of interaction between the reporter and the cameraman yeah. is, In fact, yeah, is if honestly they child's television. If they weren't talking about such that old subject, they would have been straight out of a kid's show. And that's it. Yeah. It's, it's perfect as a kid's show. It doesn't make any sense when every second screenshot is tits in this. It's yeah. really weird. The other thing I will point out is that while they're doing that whole deli sequence, there is a massive booming shot. What's like, there? Huge. The middle of the deli screen as they're panning out. I'm so glad you noticed these things. That's hilarious. It was literally glossy white reflection with a big black boom mic in it. I mean, yeah. Okay. Maybe David Argue's character was the cameraman for the movie too. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'm just wondering how many bandages the cameraman of this film is covered in by the end of it. So look, I mean, my love of David Argue is long established on this podcast, but yeah, he was wasted in this. Yeah, it could have been absolutely anybody. He's even good at practical comedy as well. Yeah. They just didn't give him anything beyond falling over, getting increased bandaged and then slipping on an eggplant and laughing weirdly. Oh, so, sorry, I, David. God. I read one contemporary review describing Tanner as mannish. Mannish? Yeah. Really? And I'm wondering if that's just 1984 standards or... Mannish? The, I don't understand that. Or the reviewer's particular bent or... Or is the inference... We were supposed to read her as mannish, therefore gay, therefore, therefore that's attracted. why. That's why she's not into Alvin. I just thought she was 80. She was just she the severe 80s short hair. She's yeah. basically young yeah. event. In my head, that was mm. what she was. Agreed. Yeah, and I thought she wasn't effective because she was like... Professional and... 
ratings obsessed. She was, she was rating yeah. sexual, if anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> rating sexual. <laughs> That's fucking perfect. Okay, really and like yes, that. I'm going with that. But yeah, then we we come to the romance sequence. So we come to the 80s montage, and this is where I will give the movie some props. Genuine laugh out louds on this. Yeah, a few of... giggles at this bit too. Yeah, yeah. So I've what got we... a bit just before you. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Because we've got Abigail, mum, going into Alvin's bedroom. So Alvin's terrified of women. He's got six locks on his door. He's got barbed wire inside. Mm. But just outside her son's bedroom, there's a portrait of a naked woman. Mm. Why? Why would you put that oh, God, no, near your not. child's room when he's terrified of girls? This obviously isn't something she sympathises with. So. No. No. As we've Remember seen with the old, he's in the cupboard. He's point. in the cupboard. You, you girls should go to my underage. A get over it thing. Oh, so his mother's compounding the trauma. For all we know, it may even be a portion of her because that level of relationship that is That crossed weirdly... my mind too, but I yeah. don't think it was. Sorry, mm. back to you, Callum. No, that's all right. So we're 80s Ooh. montage and we're 80s <laughs> romance montage. And we have all the classic cliches of the 80s romance montage, kind of like we had with the previous Alvin movie, only it makes sense in this context as opposed to that <laughs> weird-ass fucking... Let's walk along the Misty Moors. Except yeah. every shot, we've got the mother in it. And the one that got me was when they both emerge from the water one like after the other. Like you could see it coming, but yeah. yeah. And then the mother emerges in between, which I thought was yeah. cool. And gives us one which cannot have been intentional, but don't give my daughter flowers, that's too saucy. Have eggplants. Eggplants! <laughs> Wait, that's what an eggplant means? Oh my god, I had no idea. I use that one a lot. Oh my god! Like, how long have eggplants been pre-being an emoji? Oh yes, Callum, what have you written? Look at the next one. Eggplants are sexual innuendo. Thought that was just emojis. (laughs) It is. This is actually a massive coincidence. I actually looked into when eggplants started meaning dicks, and it's only about 2010 or so. That's amazing. (laughs) Because there is the line that she's great with an eggplant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Takes. Great new meanings 30 something years it's later. Incredible. They have managed to retroactively sexualize eggplants decades before they. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, they sexualize babies. So. Yeah, this is true. So no, yeah, no, no there's big old what you might reference. find at a market that looks more penisy than eggplants. Surely. Parsnip. Yeah. I remember what parsnip looks like. I don't cook. But yeah, cucumber and zucchini. Cucumber and zucchini are the classics. They're the absolute classics. So I would imagine that at the time if they wanted to make proper penis parallels we'd be using cucumbers because cucumbers have like always been Yeah, yeah, you're right. for the longest you're time. You're absolutely oh, yeah. right. There are pl- plenty of phallic vegetables that yeah. if they meant to do that would have registered It's like far what's easier. the scariest thing at a cucumber farm? Squatters. <laughs> and then we now get to the realisation that the mother is about to marry off her son. So we finally the have racist, them falling the social mother. climbing mother. That being Melvin's mother. Is yes, Melvin's oh, mother. mother. yes. So we, we have them falling in Abigail. asexual love, as far as we can tell. Well, there's certainly romantic love there. I think that's safe at this point. Romantic love. Safe well, we'll assume romantic love, yes. He does say, um, I'm in love, and so let's... Like, he yeah. does, but when he says that, nothing up to that point gives any concept that he's even interested in her no except they hang out that's what i mean it's... and all the hanging out is mm. on her but i mean your unique aspect of a relationship in a movie is is well established it's your quirkier than the others you're different to everyone else therefore by default you are the one i will now fall in love with you're more whatever the whatever particular it's like I, i've spent time with is. you and you haven't tried to break me yeah. love you yeah pretty much God, that's um, so abusive. And he says it himself later on. He's sick and tired of being afraid. He doesn't want to be protected from women that will kick his house down. That can kick down a building, yeah. I think it was. That did make me laugh. Mum, I think I'm in love. 
No time for that today, dear. You're getting engaged. Engaged? Yes, we'd have told you earlier, but you've been out so much lately. But I don't want to get engaged. Melvin, you've been blessed with a wonderful gift. The daughters of families all over town would sell their grandmother's Gucci's to get their hands on you. Well, if they want you, they're just going to have to marry you. I don't want to get married. Melvin, I married a man who said he was going to clean up in the motor business. And it turned out he was talking about a bloody car wash. So we have the hyacinth bouquet moment. So we've got Abigail as mother. Putting on a posh-ass accent. Yes. Did you weld her to your theory that the other two Abigails were the same person? I couldn't do it. Like, I tried to. I just... Watching this movie was so much pain, I wasn't going to put extra thought into it. <laughs> Aside I think from you've doing already the whole fucking into... podcast of yeah, five say, pages of I notes. think you've already put way, <laughs> way more thought into a lot of it than, than people did. What about you, Daria? I just had to go with a sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. For some reason, it becomes more amusing if I think there's three identical Abigail. Three triplets. Yeah, then yeah. there's just two, and I don't know why that is. That works. No, I completely agree. But also, like, evidently something traumatic happened to them growing up because they clearly don't speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, or they're hyper-competitive and all need to fuck Alvin. Mm. Yeah, maybe. What they were each looking for the seed and the Abigail with the house won. <laughs> because here we have a couple of rapid fire racism moments too, I was gonna say. Calling Gloria a grease ball? So yes. And this is where we discover that they're having an engagement party where they have not yet decided on the bride. Yeah, so it's to choose the fiance. Yeah. And so there's... there's hello intern, please come in. Oh, yes, I think baby. that might be I think that might be Brooke. Is that Brooke? That was a kitten. No, it is just a kitten. Brooks taller. Look, if... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Brooke can use her words. Yes. Yes, she is. Anyway, yeah, sorry, yes. So what we have is, is business card. Brooke Thomas, taller than a kitten. <laughs> so what we have is the parents utilising... Hello. Daddy, I'm closer to the slacks. Yes, you are. You're not allowed them. The parents utilising Melvin's powers... I really don't want to say this aloud, but... Oh, okay, Dad doesn't care. He's no part of this, really. But mm. he does look a bit like Elbow. I feel bad for that. Well, he's got the same feeling in general. So they're going to marry Melvin off. <laughs> but um, Gail can live yeah, out her dream of being a... Yeah, so apparently she gentry. knew nothing about her husband before she married him. He said he was going to be big in... He was going to clean up in the auto business. Clean, clean up, up in, in the, the auto, auto business. business. She didn't realise they'd been a car wash. Mm-hmm. Okay, another... I bet I'll, she another, another I'll pay that joke. <laughs> I, I bet she didn't realise it was a topless Classic. car wash. Classic. What age did he start... Exploiting Alvin at the car wash. God only knows, and I really don't want to think don't about want to think it. About that let's just go. If he's eighteen now. Let's let's. He's eighteen yeah. now. Let's that was not his reflect. first shift. Yeah. There are those two girls that speak in unison and say, "Does your dad know this pervert's got you here?" Which suggests that maybe this is the first time he's been there. Let's go with that. Unless they're new. Wax. No, they're real. Also, maybe I'm just out of touch. Well, wax boobs a thing. I was no. going to Yeah. No. That line was weird. Yeah, yeah they're only wax at Madame Tussauds. They've only yeah. ever been silicon. I mean, that's the joke, isn't it? Yeah, the, absolutely. Like, silicon. Yeah. Yeah. And a few other things, but not wax but as not far as wax, I knew. Not yeah. ever. That's not a thing. You couldn't uh-huh. go near the heater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. And every time you lit candles, they shrink. They'd be melting right here, right now. Oh, God, yeah, they <laughs> would. They'd be gone by now. God, They'd be so on my hot. feet. 
While we have Melvin waking up and being told that he's going to be getting to meet his future wife at some point in this garden party, we have the father putting a massive facade on the house, utilising an Asian building company, and at one point says, pretend you're playing table tennis. Pretend you're playing table tennis? I didn't even hear that. Because that way it's faster. Oh, God. Mm. Yes. They put a Chinese subtitle on there, too, at some Yeah, point. I couldn't work out how to try and translate it. I would have needed no, to copy it across. Uh, I did kind of appreciate the sense of the joke that we've been subtitling the Chinese in English and then we just suddenly subtitled the English into Chinese. Yes. Which is kind of cool. And there's a total sideline while they're building that. There is a point where you have a long shot and he uses a nail gun and there's a gunshot noise, which... I think is referenced in Lethal Weapon, the idea so that the there's a gun. So the reporter is psychic. No I've nutted it out. Ah, we're using nutting a lot all of a sudden. Uh-huh. So the reporter is psychic. I figured it out. Ah, nice. Okay, excellent. <laughs> reporter psychic. Because she shows up at Melvin's engagement party that he doesn't even know exists. She why are the waitresses at this party in sheer tops? Because why wouldn't they be? Because she's trying to get her son to go off with one of these rich yeah, people, the, not the staff. Because the it's a Melvin That's movie. That's right. So they're dressed as French maids. And then she in the middle them. of this, you have the fat one and the thin one measuring nipple distance. Oh, my God. The friends. The, friends. It's the one with oysters. Oh, oh, oh sorry, the blokes. I mean, she even references the fat guy at some point and says the one with the oysters down his pants. So he just doesn't have a name. Fuck him. But then don't forget, there is that line at the end is, oh, my God, they were right. They look terrible. And he comes out and says, that's yeah. actually just oysters. It's just oysters. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's such a bizarre little random sight gag for, I guess, just another few seconds of seeing boobs. Of course it is. That's all it is. Oh. Yeah, because the two women don't slap the guys, as I was expecting, but... Yeah. Same. Yeah, no, yeah. They, they just sort of go, oh, right, of course, and start... Yeah, take their well, they look off. begrudging. Take their But I don't know how much of that is the actual actresses. That are clearly designed to be really easily taken mm. off. They're not even Velcroed at the back. They just sit there by willpower or something. And we certainly don't need to tell you, they aren't wearing bras. No. no. Nobody wears bras in this. I don't think I saw a single bra except for the stripper. Yeah, and that was an undercut to, bra. Yeah, and that was to remove the bra. That's it? right. No, he's got top shelf coverage. Yeah, that's right. He's a private, oh, he's a private he's a patient. He's a private patient. And look, there's something else I want to say just before we move away <laughs> yeah. from this house thing. There's fart jokes and burp jokes. No one's horrified by it. And the fiancé candidates are yep. totally cool with it. And I'm going to say now, fart jokes can be earned. I mean, you've laughed at Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man earns its fart jokes. Yes, it does. And it is base humour. What's that, sorry? No. (laughs) These were not earned. These didn't make sense. This was just an additional way to get the facade to creak. Which, by the way, I think I know where a significant portion of their budget went on because that whole set would have been pretty damn expensive. In the context of this type of film. When the house falls down with no reference to physics? No, uh, except Rhonda Birchmore kicks it over because we had to have another random Australian turn up in this. Rhonda Birchmore, who famously became a cabaret-type performer and was... I was going to say was huge with her legs. That doesn't actually sound... <laughs> she, she had very long legs. She had very she's long, uh, very sexy legs. Tall. And she was quite quite proud of them, as well she should be. And she's very tall and Statuesque. huge amounts of hair. Statuesque, yeah. And she just randomly turns up in this as one of the many suitors that's kind of rejected by Melvin after he gets himself Philippus pissed Dinge. in rapid fire. And I just want to point out, he's a massively cheap drunk as well because well, he gets... Just turned eighteen. Yeah, but he gets he gets maggoted in thirty seconds after four glasses of champagne. Huh? After four glasses of champagne, he comes downstairs. Oh no, he drinks heaps of different glasses, but he doesn't take anything out of them. If you've noticed, oh, doesn't he? No, he drinks barely, and then just 
Right, yeah. Because yeah. um, he actually had some chilli and now he has to cool his mouth, so... Yeah, because the other thing I was going to say, and we were talking about the car chase before, I said that when we saw the car chase in the second film, I could see where a lot of the money went, because whether you consider it particularly quality or not... a helicopter in this, that's where the money went. Well, that's what I... I... <laughs> Look at the next one I've ticked. Next one you've ticked. A uh, big house facade collapse would have been expensive. No real clear money on screen. Maybe helicopter use. <laughs> we probably would have seen a bit more of the money on screen if we weren't watching a ropey VHS, to be fair. Yeah, I guess this is true. Yeah. Apparently. I'm not going to say because I say it all the time, but uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Unedited, too, apparently. So mm. don't report it. Otherwise, it'll come down, as it were. Or do report it so they get money. I don't know. Umbrella, if you really feel don't the need to complete this. the Look, triumvirate. You can put other stuff out. You've done pluck. on as an extra on releasing one of the others. Do you yeah. know what? You're mad that I'm not? No, I'm British. Apparently. Oh, thank you, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't a dad joke. So, chances. You can't get chances, can you? You can get episodes. They've got a double DVD release, Umbrella, which is a Umbrella, can you please episode. release chances? <gasps> we want to do the chances Because podcast. Melvin in this went on to do ten episodes of chances. Oh, fuck. That's how I know him. Oh, my God. No way. Oh, shit. Yes. So he studied acting in London and New York and he came to Australia and did this. And hosted and Double Dare. Pre-recording, when you told me it was Double Dare, I'm like, oh, okay, that must be where I know him because I knew I knew this guy's face before. Oh, and now you're wondering it's why you recognise his arse. It's Chances. I think I recognise this guy from the whole Umbrella, shit. can you please release Chances? We will do every episode. Sorry, yeah. I probably... We are burning to excited. do this. Yeah, yeah, we are. Actually, we should just... Anyway, so we have the big house thing. So we discover by this point that the mother is quite happy with Melvin because she conspires with her daughter to turn up and pretend that she's pregnant. How could you leave me to bear your twins along? Twins? But all I did was sit on your bike. Come, Melvin. Come back to Greece with me to raise our children. Children? So Gloria saves Melvin, as far as I can tell, from the whole family because they never appear again. So he <laughs> rescues her from the family. <laughs> and when she turns up pretending to be carrying Melvin's twins, I think this is just a weird line reading, but someone says, oh, twins, as if, oh, it's going to be okay if she was only carrying one of his babies, but yeah. twins, now a standard's been crossed. I couldn't work out why there was twins. And then I don't they remember said, I only sat on your motorbike. One later. Oh, no, I think it was later in the with the purple people. There was just a background person, someone saying, That's my pee pee. <laughs> just had. Was that when they were making the big stack? Yes. And we then get the sequence where the reporter welcomes them in and has the big secret to reveal. So mm. we've had pratfalls, we've had camera failings, we've had all the. Oh, yeah, the funny like Melvin's all, you know. Why am why I like is, this? Yeah. I don't get it. No one knows why I'm like this. And then the reporters have said, I know. I and then Which they... I kind of liked in a supremely weird tongue-in-cheek manner. No, I, I kind of <laughs> liked it. It was sort of, that was, yeah, it was a shining point-ish. Uh, and then they take takes them to a supposed studio room with some pretty awesome art on the wall, I'm going to say, including one picture that hides David Argue behind the wall. Behind a picture of David Argue. Behind a picture of David with Argue. With the camera. With the camera lens where the camera lens is, which again, yes. as a sight gag, it's kind of funny. You know, it's... I didn't even up... notice that the first time I watched it, though. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Okay. She sets up everything to film. She walks past, quite clearly turns on a fill light, starts to interview him... And then Gloria catches wind of the fact that they're being taped. Why would that be a problem if this reporter she just realised the album was being exploited? Yeah, I think this might be just what she does say afterwards, that she needs a chance to grab him and say, do you know what's happening here? Tanner's doing this and this and this. And Melbourne mm. says, 
yeah, I know, and if it's it leads me to this, then I'm totally fine I can with it with because that. now I can get to meet. I my didn't dad. get a, a yeah, I know, but I got a that's totally okay. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, that's closer. Um, You're right. This is the second time we have that weird ass bloody diegetic music where you start the tape playing. Alvin's theme comes on. <laughs> you pause the tape, and Alvin's theme keeps, keeps going, going. And you pause the tape with a kick ass remote control that's cabled into the VCR. It's I remember mine. Box. It's a big box with a cable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh, I, I remember, remember mine. mine. Too. I remember mine too, but. <laughs> It's kind of cool. Now, I've got a question for you both. Mm -hmm. What are they filming in Studio 3? Oh, I have no idea. I have no is idea. Is it a reference to something or is it just intended to be just ridiculous? I, I, I think it's, it's just supposed ladder. to be ridiculous. I think we can give them this one that that's what they were going All for right. and that's what they got. Because it's what it's a Viking, a rabbit, a ship captain. Walked into a bar. I can't remember who the female characters are. I think there's a maid. or something. Yeah, there's a group of people walk out from Studio 3 and they experience Melvin's moment of as long as I can find out. Who, yeah, you know, I think that's where he says, I've been afraid to love you. Something along those yeah. lines, yeah. Because he gets shown those sequences, the Forrest Gump sequences, and yeah. we see that he says, well, my dad didn't like it as well, but at least he did the job no, or something. No, he like. didn't run away. He didn't run away. That's yeah. right. So he, you get the fact that he, Alvin's still yeah. not particularly interested. I think it's the Beatles sequence that does that, but at least he stayed for it. Miss Tanner. Where's my father? The appearance of middle-aged Alvin. Yes. As Graham Blundell credits himself, so I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I thought Alvin looked the same. Graham Blundell seemed pretty fit at that period. They were having a hard time making him look like the kind of washed-out, drunken... Well, this is the thing. They're trying to make out also he's much older than he is. They've got the other problem now. Yeah. Yes, because they, they do of the actor-verse character's age. They basically uh, picked the worst period to actually set another Alvin in. But they kind of act as if Alvin's, like, over 50 or something, and Graham Blundell's not yet 40. No. Yeah, it looks like Again, the it's... usual trope would be, like, he's a has-been alcoholic in something, mm. but in this he's just really tired. <laughs> mm. And also the usual trope would be that he would be unshaven. Yes, true. The one thing I noticed was he was incredibly clean-shaven mm. all the way through. And they also kind of play as, this is what's left of his career, but except his career was never in fact, part of his thing. He didn't have a career, was part well, of the point. Right. And yeah. I think it's another case of this was based on the cultural memory of the first two films, not actually yeah. the first two films. Very true. You wonder if they did actually sit and watch... They must have, have done. to. Sure. How would I you mean, have, you would have to. How would you have missed so much about yeah. them, though? Yeah. Unless you were doing it intentionally, but then... Unless a lot got cut out in editing, like script Maybe? editing. I almost now am curious to see a cut where there's at least a commentary on this. Even if it's the goddamn sound technician or someone yeah. that could explain what Oh, I was... would love explanations from the sound technician. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get a response from Katie Manning, but either she didn't see the tweet or she doesn't want to know me now. Aww. <laughs> Who's Katie Manning? In this film, she's Estelle, the purple people priestess. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes, great. It is also possible she's trying to scrub this from her memory. I Can't... mean, also, 83 is a really long time ago. Oh, yeah, but I would imagine that her Joe Grant days as Doctor Who would be etched in her brain. Yeah, Joe Grant is longer ago than Melvin. Yeah. Mm. Yes, this is what she did afterwards. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> I can't remember if she's done the naked Dalek posing yet. Oh, did she do naked Dalek? Was that Joe Grant? Yeah. I thought that was Sarah Jane for some no. bizarre reason, which always sat weirdly in my in my brain because of that. Oh, well, you know, and hell, fucking own it if that's you. Oh, she completely does. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nice. This isn't her old shame. I've, I've seen her talking as herself with she'll make several jokes based on I'm the naked Dalek lady. Oh. I've only heard one person involved in this mention, and that was Graham Blundell saying what a bad idea it was. Right. 
What happened to the best friend from the first two movies? I don't know. For a while, I wondered if Beerbomb was some rewritten version of Spike, but I don't think so. Because Alvin has gotten dumber. Yeah. He's being exploited. He knows it. He just keeps letting it happen. This is true. Yeah, you'd almost argue that he acts like one of those hooked junkies that someone's holding drugs over, except there's, like, nothing you would hold over Alvin. Mm. And, yeah, we're hitting him at the point where he's absolutely about to collapse. Yeah, it's kind of written as if Beerbaum has some hold over him or some way of keeping him doing this, even though he's definitely reluctant because he says so in so many words this time. Like when he goes, or like, no, I want to go to bed. Oh, not the purple people. And he just goes along with it. He doesn't go, no, But he's so passive. He just goes along with shit. That's the common theme for the three movies. He's so passive. He just goes along with stuff. That's the thing. He's incredibly passive in the first and the second movie. Yeah. And the kid is going to him to learn how to be assertive. He thinks he's going to learn how to cope with it. Because the problem is, is that where Alvin appears to have just dealt with it, Melvin is revulsed by the concept. Also, Melvin knows nothing about Alvin. Melvin's only seen Tanner's films about it. That's right. Her bizarrely theme-musicked films. Hey, kid, come. You want to watch your dad in a porno? Yeah. (laughs) Well, don't forget, we are also looking for the family that comes together. Yeah. Oh, God. Classic. But yeah, so basically what we get a snapshot series of rapid fire insights into the life that Alvin now leads. And we're meant to take from this that he's basically washed up Elvis, even though he's singing a Doors song. But anyway. But he's, yeah, he's totally doing Elvis shtick. I wonder if they paid for the rights to that. They probably couldn't afford Elvis. No, no, well, I, I can't imagine the doors would have been particularly cheaper in 1984. Well, it would have been cheaper to have him sing it than to actually use a recording. Mm. Because one thing I did notice was that the Leather Boy, as they have him in the credits, was humming YMCA, which of course oh, makes God, perfect yes. sense on brand. But was this also at the point where you would actually have to pay the rights if you like, literally, if you hum six notes or something? Don't you have to, if like, if you use like less than seven seconds or something? Really? A time limit. This is the thing because I. I can remember, they're stuck in my head from The Running Man, the Arnold Schwarzenegger 80s movie. Uh There's a sequence where the character Killian, who's the guy who's the head of the studio, is trying to explain to someone on the other end of the phone what Gilligan's Island was. And he says, Gilligan's Island, you know, and he goes, da-da-da-da, and that's literally all he says. And it's not even particularly well sung, but they credited the Gilligan's Island theme in the closing credits. Yeah, especially in American media or probably dealing with American artists, using even a bit of music in most circumstances is a big deal, even if it's re-performed. In The Emperor's New Groove, yes, it's... Is relevant. Oh, no, 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 I'm not serious to see where this goes. Because Patrick Warburton ad-libbed this character does his own theme song thing when Kronk was making his own theme song, which was just him humming and scatting, they had to get a composer clearance for him. Oh, gosh. So that's how tight it can be. And for the most part, the you're fine if you only use X seconds isn't true. No? Okay. I mean, there are all sorts of things all back and forth. Some of YouTube's copyright detectors are based on that, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows how fucking loosely they played with copyright in Australia at the yeah, time. Yeah, true. Especially for something that was a little B-grade, C-grade. Yeah, there was B-grade also just... a lot of ask for forgiveness rather than permission or it's stuff like that. So. Yeah. And probably, oh no, they changed the rules again again, but probably if they tried to issue this on DVD a few years ago, they would have had to... 
get that re-cleared if it hadn't oh, been yeah. done already. Yeah. Part of the problem was, of course, no one anticipated home media when most of these deals were struck. Yeah, of course. And people didn't anticipate a whole bunch more home media when they were sorting out deals again. Mm. So, of course... Often it was cleared for just the cinema run or the TV screening or whatever. There was no such thing as home video, which they decided counted as a separate media, would have to get re-cleared. And that would mean DVD would be a separate media again. Oh, God. And there's a lot of discussions whether Blu-rays count as DVDs or another package again. As to streaming, as whether it's... Yeah, I'm now thinking all the music and TikToks. And they changed some rules a while ago for music that was already in stuff. And I don't know the precise terms, but a whole bunch of things which had been music replaced for 10, 15 years suddenly had snippets of original music back in on re-releases, mostly when they pertain to the UK, because they changed the rules about that sort of thing. Mm. Oh, well, kind of important. (laughs) I thought it was an interesting point. We get this view into Alvin as this exploited, drained upon by his sleazy manager and is such a character type by 1984. Mm. And it's a 90-10 split, only beer bombs, the manager's getting the 90. Such classic joke. And he's plucking some of Alvin's hairs out to sell and his fingernail clippings and his earwax. Mm-hmm. And his fans are all middle-aged or older women. Yeah, it's going like, crazy over him. It's like basically he's become a one-man Chippendales. Well, he doesn't strip. Yeah, the, the attractive market that the Chippendales were aimed at, which was the board housewife. Yeah, it's a terrible cliche, but it was such a thing. And then yeah, that's because they've got like buses. They've got mini bus groups that get taken yeah. to see Alvin Purple. So does that mean his power as this movie presents it no longer works on people younger than him? I uh, this movie again, was weird with ages and oh, attraction yeah. and ages. <laughs> You're saying that. Yeah. Yes. Something I did look up in the break. We said how it accidentally gives the problematic age for how old Alvin would have been when he fathered Melvin. Yeah. And this is almost completely an accident. That's the actual gap between the two actors' ages. Oh, really? 15, oh. 16 years. Oh, there you cool. go. Wow. Okay. Yes. He's, as you say, he's just probably not played for, but yeah. Yeah. Did, how old was Jerry Sont when he played this? He was like 20s? 24, 25. Yeah. Oh, okay. So fairly common age to play 18-year-olds, especially back then. Yeah, yeah. really common. Yes. I always remember as a kid watching television shows and thinking that everybody seemed to be that much more grown up than I was when they were my age. Yeah, and they were 40. And they were 40. <laughs> so, yeah, so we see Alvin. We see him doing his desperately trying to stay awake thing. We don't see any sexual encounters, although we do see then the move to the purple people. But it just seems like he's just basically singing and performing and going from... Something to something to something, and then yeah, and they do there the, to be eye candy for women. Basically, yeah, and they do the big chomp down on some dry Nescafe coffee joke thing, where he basically grabs a spoonful. Oh, of is what's... that what it was? Yes, mm. I think it was Milo. And so he goes from his crooning gig to the purple people, the weird sex cult that worship Alvin, and then and we're introduced he... to the purple vein Jim. Yes. Well, we should probably mention the purple people because this is... We really should. But yes, in this we perhaps see more of Katie Manning than we've seen previously in Australian movies because she leads... For the most part, she's wearing like a purple sexy lingerie set. Yeah. 
And admittedly, and interestingly, they are gender agnostic if you want to join the purple people, which is interesting. Yeah. I thought that was yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, there were certainly men and women so far as we can tell. Considering that the two movies at some point in the films have previously established that Alvin Purple's not interested and in this movie we're being blatantly homophobic in the first mm. half of the film, all of a sudden, yeah, we Maybe can Maybe it's just because the manager's cool with it and Alvin just does what he's told. I believe you're probably right on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, while it played out that it's some kind of weird sex cult, what they actually do for the most part is kind of left out in the air. Oh, absolutely. Australia After Dark was a nod to this sort of attempt to find the seedy underbelly of, like, sexual cults and things, which was sort of supposedly being seen in Australia After Dark, but... I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Okay. So Australia After Dark was meant to be a documentary into seeing into the seedy underbelly of Australia. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a lot of different cut segments. And there's genuine documentary footage on King's Cross Streets. But there's a lot of nonsense. And one of them was, I believe, a witch cult or something, which is all meant to be a sex cult. It was just an excuse to, as it, the whole thing was, to show lots of naked women in is this slightly like a, blurry... on the back of Satanic Panic sort of thing? I think so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they were yeah. sort of playing that. And so I yeah, kind of got the impression that. that this was a nod to that. Well, it could be, but everything I've seen about this movie, that any question begins with, is this a nod to, the answer is no. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, actually. yeah. It seems like they didn't even watch the first two films. <laughs> so if you're not going to nod to the film you're a sequel to... This yeah. is the point. Yes, yes. Let's just, let's just have a sex cop. The scene where Alvin and Melvin unite is just painful to watch. <sighs> yeah. Mr. Purple, I've got someone here I don't think you've met before. Your son. Melvin. Melvin. Dad? Melvin. Dad! Melvin! Technical problem, could we do it again? You want to say something horrible? Yes, I do. You loved it? No, I actually got a bit of a giggle out of Melvin's running on the spot, then you see he's on a treadmill thing. Yeah. yeah. I did like that. I... That was kind of funny. Alvin's was kind of over-egging the pudding with the, not only is he stumbling across the six metres of room or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But because he's leading aerobics at this point. With a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yeah. All of the other people in the I room are behind that. <laughs> imitating what he's doing, including falling over. And yes. Yeah. Maybe if we dial the pratfalls up to 11, they'll be funny again. No. <laughs> no, they won't. And sometimes when you've got two jokes going at the same time, in this case, he's falling over and people are imitating it. Yeah. They actually make both worse. <laughs> yes. They rule each other out. And I think I was already a bit solidly established by this point that I was not enjoying this movie and not necessarily in the not enjoying the movie the way that I have not enjoyed some other exploitations because they're still 
unenjoyably enjoyable in a way. Yeah, this one sat very plug-like in my brain. And by this point, I was well and truly, nope, I'm really not enjoying myself. And so it's a bit like if you see a comedian who you don't like do an extended bit, or I was in an event once where a person did a long piece which was a parody of interpretive dance, and Uh the problem was that they had managed to get offside with a lot of people, and so it turned something which was meant to be amusingly annoying into just excruciating. So, uh, yeah, you can fumble that sort of stuff, and then if you kind of sort of drag it out with the hopes of making it funnier, you're just losing, yeah, more and more people. Though it was watching Jerry Saunch in this bit that I think I decided most... No, not all, but most of the actors in this movie do well with what they've given. It's mostly that what they've been given is pants. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, actually, I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that, actually. The individual yeah. characterizations of the various people. There's no, mm-hmm. like, terrible acting in this. As far as uh, I mean, you could argue that maybe Birnbaum's, like, oh. scenery chewing in a way that's not particularly great. But I suppose that is the character he's meant to be playing. He's just... Very seedy and very... I thought, for example, that Jerry Saunt was doing fine as Melvin and Lenita Vangelis was doing fine as Gloria, but it didn't quite seem like they were talking to each other. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah, there was just no connection. Alvin Purple when is directed out... by George Lucas. <laughs> like, when he comes out and says, I love her, it's like, none of that has come across at all. Yeah. He looked like he was just passively being dragged along as well. Yeah. Mm. One of the few times they physically interact just looks weird. Gloria gives Melvin a bit of a good luck chance oh, punch. Oh, yeah. And he ends up, like, kicking her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then he just sort of looks down like, oh, dear. Well, hopefully Dad will make me be better. Or it's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a weird mm, thing. Hmm. Anyway, yes. So we have our Joe Grant-led cult of purple people who are trying to initiate another member to their ranks, which we assume... Is sex with Alvin. Yes. Yes. That's the initiation. Yeah. He turns up absolutely wrecked, collapses over the top of this woman who goes very almost Hercules Returns levels. Yeah, just like (laughs) totally over the whole thing. And it all just goes pear-shaped and they just stop. Well, I think they stop because Alvin is finally too... Too... Too fucked over to be of any use, basically. Literally. And this is really how they get into what the main plot... I was going to say what passes for the main plot, except the plot itself is fairly straightforward. It's fairly intact. Yeah. 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 This is how they join the main story, because the son of Alvin presumably has, and I guess kind of does in this Mm. reality, have all his powers, but is much younger and not completely worn out. Mm. Yes. Though also he's a virgin. And maybe if you wanted to, if you even were remotely interested in deep diving on this, I suppose... (laughs) I think we're there. (laughs) Well, you could maybe argue for the concept that as the son comes into his virility, the powers are being ebbed from the father figure. So Alvin is finally winding down as another carrier of the seed steps up to be the full... uh... Yeah, I know, right? Sorry, poor choice of words. (laughs) So we're not quite Highlander. They don't have to sort of fight on a bridge and behead one or other. But it makes you wonder about Alvin's dad. Well, this is one of the other things. Yeah, they never felt the need to... Alvin was just Alvin. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. neither version of Alvin's dad appeared to be any kind of Lothario. No. Or have magic sex powers. (laughs) And then maybe marriage cures it. Yeah. I did see some of the TV series, and his dad in the TV series is just a completely different person from his dad in the movies. And, in fact, 
no one stuck around except Alvin. He's even met a different best friend called Spike. Oh, oh wow. Right. Who is played by someone else as a different <laughs> surname, but is still called Spike, which makes you wonder if there's, there's this sad thing that Alvin just locks on to people called Spike and declares <laughs> him his friend. It's a little bit like Peter Parker continually finding father figures that are going to, uh, yeah, do him over. So we have a kind of attracted little insight into Alvin's life and Melvin and Alvin meet all notionally at the arrangement of Dee Tanner and her expose and then they unmeet again. Alvin goes flying through the gym wall. Melvin is swept away by Birnbaum who sees a young virile alternative. I'm your father's closest friend and business associate. <clears throat> now, if your dad's in trouble, he needs your help. Let's go. Oh, the name's Birnbaum, but uh, you can call me Midas. What about Gloria? All right, then call me Gloria. <laughs> I actually noted that down. I thought that was kind of funny as well. And yeah, we are also introduced to Dougie, Mr. Who they Universe, use the... as a battering ram. Yeah, after he's lifting weights with his cock, because it's a muscle. <laughs> the, he was the source for another of the genuine laughs for me Yeah When he's trying to impress them with his muscles When what we're talking about is going down He's like, oh, get me a phone book He's going to rip a phone book in half and Then he can't And then he's got onto a thick novel And he still can't And later on We'd have been here hours ago If Mr Universe hadn't torn up the street Yes Oh, that's oh, that's interesting Because it was Thornbirds Which was the novel that he rips up yeah. Because he says, I could do Thornbirds I never realised So but basically he just goes around, he goes around ripping up uh, I totally missed that line. It's like, really, the reason you're late isn't because you've got a blind person driving. So Bonbaum switches horses midstream. Race. Wow. Sorry, just the image in my head when I said that. Across the streams. And there's we in this movie. Yeah, it's very great. And he latches onto Melvin, thinking he's got himself a brand new golden goose. It basically takes him straight back to the purple people, doesn't he? Yeah, he lies and said Alvin's there. But yeah, he takes them to the purple people. The movie ramps up in the second... Yeah, yeah it really does. Third. Yeah. Because pretty much from here on in is the, the chase to free anymore. Melvin, essentially. Yeah, yeah. A, a chase scene that doesn't suck from the other movies. So we basically all race back to the purple house, or as the taxi driver says, oh, why didn't you just say it was the place with the Italian, Italian paint, paint job? job. It's almost too weird to I, be racist. I, I, I thought he was going to say wog. Yeah. And just before that, I want to point out one last thing on what is Alvin and maybe he's nodding again to the fact that they had no idea about Alvin. We discover that Alvin now has always been aware of Melvin's existence and he's just watched yeah. him from afar. But he says, I was there at the maternity ward. Yeah. And then he dials it back a little bit and he says, well, actually not the maternity ward because... I was in the lift. I was in the lift and there was a nurse with really big tits, suggesting that he's attracted to her in some way. Yeah, well, I mean, the first two films did have its own trouble with saying that Alvin was only reluctantly into sex and then keep showing situations where he was entirely into it. Yeah. Yeah. Fits right in with the job, the confessions montage from number two, when he's supposed to be working and having sex instead. He's supposed to be peeking at his secret son and has sex instead. Yeah, 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 no, actually, that's a really good point. Yeah, all right, point taken. Actually, just speaking of Melvin's birth... When we then have the smaller chase scene at the start of the film and Melvin ends up hiding in the hospital, it kind of amuses me that the matron is still the same woman after 18 years and says, you again. And she recognises you. Yeah, and I think the intent is that he's always hiding in the hospital, but I like to think she recognises him as the baby from 18 years ago. Yes. It's like how the matron is carrying four babies at a time. Yeah, (laughs) she seems to be one of the other people who can get on with her job without 
being distracted by Alvin, so, so maybe she recognises the pool. attracted women are attracted to Alvin now? Attractive. It, well, that would certainly make sense. Yeah. In the context of let's make a movie where we can get a lot of really attractive norks. I will also say, and we were talking about this before, I believe we have the first fuck in dialogue in this film. When Birnbaum actually says that, uh, where were you before I found you, all fucks and no bucks. Because there's even a reference in one of the previous movies to a joke about a character not saying the F word and him misunderstanding. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that's right. We definitely discussed a lack of swearing in the first two, Mm. and it slightly surprised us given how explicit everything else was. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't recall this being a massive collection of swear words, but it is interesting that there was just a dropped fuck in the middle of it. It's almost as though it was running on PG-13 rules, which makes no sense as it's Australian and PG-13 wasn't a thing yet anyway. Was NRC in Australia at that point? NRC, yeah. Not recommended for children? Yeah. Yeah. The legendary, if you're doing a PG-13, you can have one fuck in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, Yes. They had many. No, but yes, you're right. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Because but, they did well, it up on television, but that might have been... Well, that's because it's full of nudity and sex. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we need to deep dive on that Oh, one. no, no, no. <laughs> I was just wondering whether the television rating would have been the same as the movie rating. They use different systems. So. Yeah. So it would have to have been... No, it's M. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah, this was M, because we were discussing that they cut three scenes out. They yeah. just ticket it down from R to M. Mm. Cool. So maybe that was the one fuck they were allowed if, if it's a movie? Maybe those three scenes made this film make sense. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> oh, look, again, as Raddy says, I don't think the movie didn't make sense from the point of a self-contained story. It just doesn't flow on from the supposed source material in yeah. any way, shape or form. Yeah, unlike Plug, you can follow the story from start to finish. God, yes. And you're not going, how did that happen? (laughs) So Birnbaum takes Melvin back to the purple house full of the purple people with Joe Grant leading the group. The instant attraction to Melvin, because she's in the process of, what were they doing? They were sitting around doing something. I can't remember what it was. They were all dressed. Well, there was disciples on their robes and there was a topless woman writhing on a table. No, 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 no. That was when Alvin first arrives. No, no. Oh, sorry. Birnbaum when... brings Melvin back into the room and they're all doing something. Shit, I can't remember what it is. It's very neutral. Maybe they're discussing not being a cult anymore or something? I've got... Really? I don't remember now. It was something very neutral. And then Birnbaum walks in and says, here is your new... Messiah. Messiah. And they instantly catch the whiff of Alvin and... Melvin. Melvin, sorry, rather. And, uh, yeah, disrobe and wacky hijinks ensue. And they try to get their resident doctor and sexy nurse to switch his libido on or something? Yeah. Yeah, So he's not into it. He's trying to hide and run away. So Gloria does turn up at this point and we discover that on top of every other cliche, Birnbaum's also a panty sniffer because, fuck, that was hilarious in the 1980s. He also likes to lock women in his room. Well, yes, yes, and we get to that a little later as well when he drags her away from there because he says, come this way, and he catches himself on the laundry hamper. Yes. To which Gloria says, I don't think I'd come that that way. Mm. Classic. Yeah. And then, yeah, so we've trapped Alvin. Melvin. Uh, Melvin. <laughs> God, we've trapped yeah. Melvin. We sit him down and he can't perform because, as we've established, he's he not interested in sex. Yeah, and especially, yeah, and he's even less interested when he's terrified out of his mind. Yes, yes. that's right. We if ha- this wasn't a comedy, this would be a horror movie. Oh, God, yeah. So we have a... It's funny, in any other film I would say this is clearly the blatant boob sequence because we have a striptease. We have a a sexy nurse striptease. And I will actually say that one of the chuckles that I gave this film was when I realised that the nurse has got the watch on her skin as almost like a pasty. It's a bit high, but uh, yeah. Does the strip. 
doesn't work. The doctor then says, come on, madam, or he's a private patient or something. So then we strip down another layer of clothes down to the thong and that doesn't work and she's very upset about it. And then it suddenly occurred to me, at one point I believe Birnbaum says to Katie Manning's character, this is a job for the doctor. And I do wonder if that was a nod to Doctor Who. Oh, because they say in her presence, this is a job for the Doctor, right. and then cut. I don't know. Any other film, I make think so, but... <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to tell, but I did actually write that down. And it's all fucking Clockwork Orange. So it's a parody of a movie, which is terrifying in the concept of its reprogramming of the main character. And we play it for laugh. Yep. Yeah, and we're still too close to reality, as in we're in a recognisable real-world context, to say, this is so detached, we can let them have this. This is not the bloody, is it safe, dentist torture sequence from Hot Shots or anything, you know. We're not in a truly ridiculous world, we're in... And we're definitely not in a porn world where everyone's in a perpetual state of enthusiastic consent. No, no, because we've established that is basically Melvin's main shtick. So, yeah, so we have someone who, at the very least, hates sex, as we've discussed Maybe asexual, maybe God only knows. May just be traumatized. We're going to, have to put maybe traumatized, and then he's cured with a vibrator and a giant. Well, it's not a vibrator. Well, it's a giant sucking machine, and he's nor is it a vacuum. He is yeah, fixed. I, yeah, I got the impression this was some kind of mad science thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He sort of goes into a mad rage after this and I didn't really get the impression he was cured he just went into a frenzy for a while but after it wore off he was back to himself well it wore off he was cold spooned yet another interesting little reference to that time that's when Alvin comes in and basically knocks his son's penis with a cold spoon yeah. Oh, you make it sound as if we should go, ah, cold spooned. Well, cold spoon. Well, I mean, not cold spooned is a phrase, but sorry, the, the concept of a cold spoon. Do you know the concept of a cold spoon to knock down your boner? No. Oh, well, that was a thing. Yes. If you ever got an <laughs> erection, you, you're, if you, it, I, God, I don't even know why I know this. Oh, no, I but knew there was a cold a, spoon a, thing. I just didn't know a, anything about the application. Yeah, it's a cliche. It's a bit like your mother washing your mouth out with soap. Your repressed parent would whack it with a cold spoon if they saw you had an un. I want, to, yeah. I want to point out. I want to point out. I am talking as a cliche. I am talking as a a meme, as not reality. As this kind of sort of a nonsense thing that was joked about all the time. Was in, Queen, in case we're feeling like we have to call social services thirty five. Yeah, no, late. exactly. Yes, no, yeah. yes. You know, think of the Queen or cold spoon, and it was a punishment thing. It was specifically. See, I a thought punishment. the cold spoon was something self applied rather than. I'd only ever heard of it in the reference of it being a punishment for an unwanted erection, but I don't know. And um, I somehow hadn't heard of it until well, just now, which made it sound <laughs> very strange that you were giving me this knowing look of cold spoon. <laughs> I was giving you a, I want to, hey, no, 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 audience. No, 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 I was not giving Daria a knowing look. I was expecting comprehension. I just want yeah, to point that out. It, more of it's one of those things, if you don't know what it is, then it just sounds strange that someone's saying, a cold spoon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which could describe so many of the jokes in this movie. There is one thing I'm going to say. Melvin is cured literally at the one hour mark, down to the second. Down to the second. He hurls himself from the chair at exactly one hour and zero seconds. See, I was going to check it, then I thought my eyeballs are going to make no further contact with this film. Mm. Well, there we go. One bit of weirdness when Melvin is running about the house either in fear or in frenzy is one of the residents 
has a bed made of sand and a surfboard on it. Yes. Yeah. Where she's just sitting naked and it's almost surreal enough to pass if the rest of the film wasn't such a mess. I just kept thinking yeah. about getting sand everywhere. Well, yeah, that too. But it was more, this is almost so nothing to do with anything. Mm. It would make sense if there were two or three more other rooms. So you have like the beach babe with the sand bed and this big alligator moment. Yes. And that everyone else, apart from, even Melvin doesn't react to it too much because he's not paying attention, but everyone else acts as if it's perfectly normal that one of your residents is... The woman that cleans everything goes in to rake the bed at some point. Yeah, everyone's acting as this is a thing. Someone has a sand bed. But you know what? It could be funny if they actually watched the first two films. If they wanted a water theme, she could have had a water bed. Like it? Nice. So, yeah, then wacky hijinks ensue as the sex-starved people all race after Melvin. Alvin bursts in at one point, sees his son, applies the spoon of coldness. Has Alvin ended up in drag by this point? Yes, he, he is. Has. Yes, he is. He is dressed. Oh, because Gloria went to her father. Yes. To get some dresses and lingerie. That's right. Yes. And her father was amusingly just a dark, hairy man in a dress while people in the background amusingly call waitress, waitress over and over because yeah, misgendering but, is funny. Uh, yeah, because she still calls him dad. Yeah. Well, normally I'd ask if he's supposed to be trans or gay, as they say, but I don't think this movie actually knows the difference. No, no I, they don't. I genuinely don't think it does. And I don't think they would have even known the word transsexual. They yeah. probably knew transvestite. But again, they probably just thought that's a thing gay dudes do. Yeah. Mm. It's worth noting that there is a point before Alvin is dragged onto the scene of the purple people that Gloria and... Gloria and someone else. Well, they recruit... The two friends. Yeah. Uh, I think the credits give them names. Yeah. Oh, the credits probably do. So, yeah, Gloria actually goes to Alvin's house where we find he's listening to his own theme song again. I mean, fucking diegetic music <laughs> is fine, but again, opening the door and literally he's listening to his own theme song as he winds all the clocks he gets given and dusts all I, the I pictures I just thought they were all the different alarms for different women. I think they're gifts. He talks about how his house is full of gifts from women. So he dusts all the pictures and he winds all the clock, That's not wears all the perfume. I think he actually says, you yeah, know, winding the, all their gifts. Because I thought the perfume and stuff was stuff to be given to them, not given to him. Oh, I thought them. I heard him say winds every gift, but oh, okay. uh, yeah, don't know. But anyway. And she basically gives him a pep talk, a step up oh, yeah, to his son. Yeah, because he doesn't want to meet his son. Yeah, but not as a lack of responsibility thing as a, I think I'll be a letdown to him thing. Yeah. yeah, it was quite odd. It was just like, it wouldn't be fair. No, it wouldn't be fair to me. Really? Yeah. And so then he jokingly, after rescuing Melvin from the purple people, goes into that amusingly opposite direction of being a massively overbearing parent. It's okay, Melvin. It's your dad. It's me, Melvin. I'm going to make it up to you, son. From now on, I'm going to be a real father to you. Where are your slippers? You'll catch a death of cold walking around this cold floor. You wearing warm underwear? I can see what they were going for there. I, I just think at the moment it. it didn't land. It's like there's the bit where Alvin tries to correct Melvin's speech, which works really well in Centrinians. Yes, that's yes. right. Yes, yes, that's actually a good example. Works really of well the... this, but in this one they don't change anything, and it's just yeah. I think what they're going for is what Futurama did much better decades later. When Fry finds out the woman he slept with in the past is his grandmother, she then starts using an ear trumpet and saying things like, what's that, dearie, and knitting. Right. Mm. 
I think the joke is, I'm going to be a real father to you when he starts behaving like a parent does to a 10-year-old. Yeah. And the joke is sound, it just doesn't play well there. Yeah. As November says, the line from Centrinians is... Don't look like the new teacher, you just look like you don't got a pot, pot to piss in. A pot to piss in, yeah. And then she says... <gasps> Language! She does not have a pot in, in which, which to, to piss. piss. <laughs> Good old Doctor Who, man. Love it. So, yeah. And, again, it could be good. It could be funny. It could... And do we think they were having fun making this? Because one of the things that we talk about again and again is you can sometimes tell if people are enjoying making it, even if it's not necessarily a good film. There's a general vibe of, eh, they were having fun. They were just sort of bouncing ideas. No. I might say yes about Katie Manning, only because I know she usually enjoys herself doing pretty much anything. Mm, Yeah, I kind of get that too. And I guess there's a bit of that vibe from... Her character, weird as it was. Yeah. But not, yeah, I don't get Graham Blundell as well, every part. It's really funny. I can't tell if it's maybe just because Graham Blundell is an amazing actor, but his exhausted ennui genuinely yeah. seemed to come through in the yeah. making of the film as, as well. I, I really. Uh, well, I've read one wonder. quote from him, which basically is this film was a bad idea. Oh, God, yes. All right. Okay. Yes. And he blames his wife or maybe ex-wife at that point for it. Oh, okay. Oh, Apparently right. at yes. some gathering or another, she said to someone who actually had the ability to act on this, imagine what Alvin Purple's like these days. And he blames her. You have, you have the option to say no, dickhead. It's just the same passivity from the bloody character. <laughs> I actually really like Graham yeah, I, I have no problems with him in general, but... Oh, so. no, no. I, this is purely an Alvin thing. Oh, okay, this is an Alvin Not a Graham thing. Blundell thing. And, and let's face it, the person who reacted to that could have said, yes, let's see what Alvin Purple, the actual character who was in the previous two movies, is like mm. these days. Because he's only 40. You and can I'm still awfully, have sex at 40. And I'm awfully sorry, but if you're an actor, there's only a certain level of you can turn this down aspect to surviving and paying bills and things if an opportunity presents itself to suddenly be a film star again. Mm. Even a second tier one. I wouldn't be surprised if Graham Blundell thought it was a bad idea, but he's got to put food on the table. Yeah, that's like exactly right. You know, we all have those movies that our favourite actors or actors were quite clearly they had a big power bill that month and... You can't rely on Pacific Banana residuals forever. No, that's exactly right. And then suddenly Dame Judi Dench is appearing in a Chronicles of Riddick films. Uh, we didn't mention Gloria racing to her mom and saying, help, they're going to force him to have sex. She said, one thing I learned from your father, you can never force a man to have sex. Oh, Oh, yeah. Which, if you needed the reason why this movie is so gross in a nutshell, then, yeah. There is a sequence where Gloria, as we said, is led away by Birnbaum to that kind of massively cliched bachelor pad seduction zone where... It doesn't have a door handle. It's got a safe lock. Okay, and this is interesting because in that case you could say it's a rape room. Yep. Yep. Except Gloria is totally in control for the entirety of the sequence. She never even is afraid for herself. No, that's right. And she basically looks at him with this just ridiculous grins. And I'm going to say this is one of the few moments where this movie managed to nail a tone because that (laughs) sequence could have been creepy as fuck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At any point, if there was even a moment of hesitancy or a moment if she's out of a depth, what do I do now if there's fear? Then Birnbaum is at the best an attempted rapist and potentially in the concept of the film because he's had the whole thing made, possibly a repeat rapist. But she is never afraid. She's never upset or stressed. 
the worst is she's just, you know, amused by his attempt to have forceful sex with her. But it's the quagmire level of you press a button and the bed pops out. You yeah. press another button and the sexy music happens. Mm. And Well, I liked the, you know, I want to be held tight or something and she presses a button so the bed tries to eat him. And then after that, that's when she then leaves him there and races back to save Melvin. Mm. And she also brings in Theo. Yeah, this is when Theo suddenly arrives. Well, she was recruiting all yeah, of that. Yeah, him with Melvin's two mates. Yeah. That's right. She was recruiting all available bodies, including... This is true. Alvin, because he was Alvin, and because she still needs people, and hence he's disguised in drag. Yeah, yeah. Cause he says something along the lines of, they'll know who I am, or something, I think. Yeah. Mm. And then he stays in drag for the rest of the film, actually. Mm. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. I liked how they were being tortured on the upside down, like being hung upside down. But um, clearly, like, Sticky taped the dress to his leg so it didn't fall off. <laughs> yes. one point I thought they were just exercising together. It took me a little while to realise that they were oh, actually really? being, yeah, tortured. Yeah, they've kind of just been removed and put back into the other story for the sake of that sequence, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is it kind of weird because then we end up with them having gotten free and we go to the final sequence where Gloria and Melvin are finally able to... Consummate she's, their love. She's rented a room. She's rented a room, and the mother has arrived with a. She's rented a honeymoon suite, so. Yeah. Being an usher in 1984 Melbourne is apparently not too shabby a job. Uh-huh. Oh, you get a lot of change down the back of the seats. It's a very <laughs> impressive motel, I'm going to say. I'd like to rent the honeymoon suite. So here we are. We've rescued Melvin from the purple people. We have established that Alvin will be the caring parent figure that Melvin needs. He's been cured from being cured. Yes. But now he gets to shag the girl, we think. Or, as we've discovered, she marry thinks... the girl. No, they do marry. No, no that's, that's... Oh, no, that's sorry, no, they don't marry. They don't marry. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's right, because the mother says that after all this time, I've realised that it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. That's right. Because when we first arrive at the honeymoon suite, as you say, we have the Greek Orthodox priest and a sheep... For reasons of idea. Surely it's not just to make a bestiality joke in the helicopter crash sequence. Surely it's not just to make a bestiality (laughs) joke. No, surely it's not just to make a worstiality joke. (laughs) Bestial in the vestry. Which also... He did a virility right. He punched up around the U or the RAM or whatever it is. Interesting side note about... Never mind. Never mind. Who taught you to do that? (laughs) (laughs) It must have been really bad. Every now and again, the little dude in my head mates to the big red button. Not a lot. (laughs) He often falls over his own chair, but every once in a while the button slams and he makes it in time. (laughs) This is one of those times. So, yeah, so we think that mother is going to demand that the son marry the daughter, the priest is there, everything is fine. And then, she, yeah, she basically releases her daughter to sleep with Melvin and at the same time... If, you, if there's any problems, I'm right outside. Awesome to know, Mum. And at the same time starts to form a weird little connection with Alvin? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Alvin, yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. That's literally the morning after most of that. Yeah, because oh, it is. because they get out of the way for room service. That's right. So it's before then that Melvin and Gloria are going to get down to business and 
Tanner is outside in a helicopter. Well, Mum's on the roof throwing aubergines at it. Yes, because despite the fact that Dee Tanner has now established that she has literally no footage of any of the major events that happened (laughs) up until this point, because again, wasted David argue, we decide that filming a couple shagging in a hotel room is somehow going to be a massive story, or as she puts it, sex freak pokes Greek. Oh, God, yes. Uh, That's right. Classic. Well, all the footage she's not got is all of anything that connects Melvin to Alvin. So even if she's managed to sell her Alvin half of the story, her footage afterwards is going to be, and here's someone else having sex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly right. So we suddenly find this helicopter hovering outside. The mother gets very angry and explains that the first time is always the hardest anyway. No pun intended. Hey, I could write an Alvin movie. And takes out the helicopter with eggplants. Yeah. Proving she is great at eggplants. Attention, young lovers. You're on national television. Please act natural. Mom! Don't worry. I fix it. Just ignore us. Do not look at the camera. We're certain that they had no connotations. No, the eggplant equals dick wasn't a thing until like 2010 or so. That's just so ahead of its time. There you go. (laughs) There you go, Morris Kleitzman. There you go, John Eastaway. You're ahead of your time. Congratulations. Let's face it, otherwise the metaphor would be she brought them down by sticking a dick in a helicopter. (laughs) But again, it could be cucumbers. It's so weird because I'm going to be honest, I believe if I was writing this movie and coming up with the movie as it was, Yeah, you would have had cucumbers. I would have had cucumbers. Yeah. I actually think the joke they were going for that actually landed. there's nothing. Yeah. There's no connotation. Yeah. When Melvin tries to give Gloria flowers and she says, no, here's the eggplants, the joke is this is entirely unsexy. Yeah, what is the most non-sexual? Well, okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, that she is cock-blocking or heart-blocking them at yeah. every step of the way. Yeah. And the eggplants later are, I mean, logically they're not the same eggplants. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just she had eggplants early. And- all right, because, yeah, then there's the joke. So the eggplant goes in the back of the helicopter, gets sliced up into small pieces while the guy downstairs is advertising a creepy crawly, the old school pool cleaner, mm-hmm. and says that it'll clean up everything, including eggplants. And then we have this weird little moment as the chopper goes down the front of the hotel of a sequence of quick visions into various hotel rooms. So we've got a bloke with a blow-up sex doll. All right, I am going to mention this. Go. To me, it looks like John Hamblin, who was John from Play School. It did not look like that to me. Okay, yes. The actor is uncredited, but, yeah, there was a white guy with that Tim Brooke Taylor hairstyle, sort of the long the oh, long yes. blonde sides and the slightly short on top, RIP, poor old Tim, TBT. But, uh, yeah, we have, I guess, just some dude dressed in a tutu dancing. Yeah. Yeah, we were commenting on it when we sort of rewatched it. It's just like... It's nothing. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's just Dad's so... like, no one's watching. Off you go. And there's nothing to hint that it's maybe a politician, because the only thing is, is if there's some way of highlighting that it could be an MP or something, perhaps, is in yeah, there, but right. it's just a dude in a tutu. But and even that would be a fairly 1980s joke, given the average political scandal is so much worse oh. these days. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you too. No, and then, yeah, we also have, as we pointed out, the, the suggested be- bestiality. Well, the- they're just sitting at opposite sides of a table. It looks like they're having a conversation. No, the priest is in the middle of doing the virility ritual. You see him do the... Oh, oh no. did you miss that? Oh, gross. Yeah, yeah he's, he's doing the fist pump that we have established is virility. 
Maybe the sheep is not performing well with its other sheep in the pastures and he takes it to the hotel. I so love the gets, way you think. I, I'm, I'm just going to go with that. He's helping the sheep out. I agree with you completely. Yep. Yeah, so we have a rapid-fire sequence of supposed vignettes of Gandalf, <laughs> and then the helicopter lands in the swimming pool, which instantly empties itself. Yes, I think Almost. it all got sucked up by the... The creepy-crawly That's thing. That's right. Yes. And then we have one of the most... And again, I commented right at the start that this was a very childish sort of interaction with Dee and the cameraman. They were mm. very much that kind of kiddie, pratfall sort yeah. of stuff. And again, yeah, that like literally. So Dee gets her face plastered in eggplant, then that amusingly lets make one of the main villains, although she's not a villain, but eh, whatever. Mm. And the cameraman, David Argy's character, slips over and smashes what's left of his bones by this point and then laughs at her a lot. He's probably just completely freaking delirious by yeah. this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just have a helicopter crash, so that's pretty he does, and then Birnbaum is punished with Katie sex. Manning sex. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she kind of implies he's going to replace Alvin, Alvin and or Melvin in the sex object of the cult, which... It also yeah. gave me an impression that he does the first initiation with the nice women. Like, they have to go through him to get to Alvin. Mm. Yeah, I, I hadn't got that. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of got the impression that he picked and chose. Yeah, yeah he definitely selected who yeah. was involved. Yeah, and I think Katie Manning's "haha, it's funny when a man doesn't want sex" thing is that he's now going to have to take on the role entirely mm. and be as exhausted as Alvin. Yeah, not but, to mention if he's the one who finally has to pay for the cab that everyone's been using all movie. Yeah. Yes, $429.35, which is about 1100 bucks. Yes, because I did actually like the line at one point where he says, hey, you practically own the cab at this yeah. point. So, uh, it was actually kind of cool. So, yeah, so we have man afraid of sex despite his genes being cured unnaturally, being uncured, and then finally being, being cured normalized. naturally. Normalised. Yeah, see, I didn't think Melvin's coming around to eventually having sex with Gloria, which presumably they did. Yeah. Because L-shaped sheet and everything. Yes. <laughs> which goes back to... I love the L-shaped sheet. If you're an actual female character, you don't get your tits out because... She didn't even when she was ostensibly naked on screen. She was in lingerie, though. And my gosh, she looked amazing. The lingeries, yeah. Look, I, there were a couple of times I actually thought that as an actress, she was very, I mean, but then again, I've got the 80s sensibility. But I thought she was really attractive, like right from the word go with the well, motorcycle outfit and stuff. Yes. And she's also uh, done some modelling. Uh, hey, that makes sense. So I've got to ask, were you already struggling with the concept of asexuality by this point or not? No, no. No? I had it down. You had it down? Oh, you, you, oh, right, <laughs> you were okay, struggling. So yep, you already cool. knew. So this... Cause... Yeah, I'm kind of thinking you would... I, I don't know, but I just thought you would know asexuality fairly early on because everyone else is talking about seeing films like this and being titillated. Fuck, I, again. I and you're just like, what the fuck y'all talking about? Surely no one watched this to be aroused. I, again, it has I no don't... other purpose. Oh, well, it's, yeah, that's true. The reason I asked about when you first saw it being that time that you saw it, can we agree he is asexual? Every aspect of what he said. I mean, I recognise that's not what the, what Actually, the directors... I hadn't thought of this until you asked just now. He's pretty much textbook demisexual. What's demisexual? What's demisexual? demisexual. Sorry, Dario, our diversity hire, please educate us. <laughs> <laughs> demisexual is the term usually applies these days. It means you don't become sexually attracted to someone until you've formed a strong emotional connection. That's the best word in the world. Oh, my God, I love it. 
I'm going to take slight issue. Oh, please correct Daria. No, 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 no. Within the plot of the film. Not, not, not how okay, to go with Demi Demi no, no, no. Oh, no, no. I'm not going to. I don't think he's ever physically attracted to her until after he's cured because when they're on the boat, when he's already decided he's oh, yeah. in love with her, he actually says something on the lines of, you know, I find it physical, he's physically turned off by it, like, like he gets sick. And he even, even while, nauseated, nauseated, even while he's enjoying was. hanging around with her, he's waiting for the mum to come and break them up. And the first time we see him genuinely sexually aroused in the film is after he's been... Raped. Cured. Mechanically raped. Yeah. So cured, that's the only thing. Cured. That's my only... Yep, okay. Yeah, I'm not having... A, I'm, I'm far be it from me. To, you know, no, no, no. That was why I got the vibe he was asexual. I just learned the best word ever. Demisexual was amazing because I didn't get the impression that he was particularly sexually attracted to her at all until after the procedure and then who knows what he's actually genuinely no. responsible for. Oh, yeah, well, he attracted to I don't know, but he did say love. Yeah, love, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He actually tells his mum that he's in love at one point and then that's when the mum springs that he's going to get engaged. Yes. And I guess it depends whether you see his internal resistance as being not attracted at all or he's attracted but his whole mess is acting against him actually doing anything yeah. on that. He's just so passive with Gloria. Yeah. I got the impression that his adventure enabled him to... I think the part of him wanted to be to Gloria what Gloria wanted him to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And absolutely. that his adventure let him overcome his internal reluctance to that. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I thought that for all of the messing around with the mad science, that he was reset to where he was once it all wore off. Yes. Yeah. And that it was his character arc, such as it was, completed naturally, if that makes any sense in this movie. Hey, I'm happy to go with that because <laughs> I'm way too cis male and intersex to make commentary on whether or not someone being cured of not liking sex You're not is... intersex. No, no, I just... Into oh, sex. I heard right. intersex as well. Yeah. I'm not into... I, th- yeah, I no, thought, I... Is, is this an on-air <laughs> revelation? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very special episode of Podplication. <laughs> How do you do that soft focus around the outside of a podcast? No. And into sex, like actively enjoying it, to make any commentary on whether or not somebody who doesn't particularly enjoy sex to the point where they're nauseated by it reaches a positive character arc end by now being able to do the sex. We are dying for an ace perspective on this. (laughs) I think he's not asexual. I think he did want to... I think he wanted to make love to Gloria instead of fuck her. Right, okay. No, that's cool. And I think Gloria wanted that too. Yeah. And I think he had his own internal reluctance was a reluctance he didn't want to do something he did want to do. Yeah. Because when he went into the frenzy at the Purple House, he was just wild-eyed and incoherent. He was out of control, yeah. You saw none of that when he and Gloria finally did the deed at the end. That's right. No. He looked like someone who was ready. Yes. Yes. And as I've said before, for all the weirdness of the material, the actors do play their parts when they got that mm. impression from Jerry Sont. Yeah. So in the morning, after Melvin and Gloria spent the evening together, the hotel woman goes in with breakfast in bed and winks at Gloria. Has the Melvin magic worn off onto Gloria? I did wonder that. Are they saying that it can be sexually transmitted? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, God, that would be in keeping with some of the other theme jokes in this film, so... 
Well, yeah, why is there only one child? I think I read a review that actually found it implausible that there was only one son of Alvin. Yeah, agreed. They don't use protection. It's... It sounds almost like the sort of the measuring of the runway from the Fast and Furious film, determining oh, how much it was. It's like, well, if he had this much sex over this amount of time and there was this amount of protection in the 1960s, 70s, i.e. none. Oh, yeah, a chart and... the human conception, right? <laughs> and Alvin telling Melvin that a woman like Gloria only comes around every... 17,000, whatever it was. Yeah, 17,000, that was a really specific thing. I was kind of curious yeah, if I wrote there it was down, an but intent it's there. Yeah. I was going to do maths and I'm just like, no, I'm just taking this more seriously Seven, than they are. 17,000 something minutes or something, wasn't it? No, no, it wasn't minutes. It was that many people. Oh, right. Okay, right. Okay. So it's just maybe just an amusing reference to how many there were. That's oh, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. I thought it might have a some and kind of have, Like how many times do you need to go through the pattern to see the pattern repeat? You know, it would not surprise me, joking about whether or not something is a reference or something, it would not surprise me if somebody had said, wouldn't it be funny if he'd fucked a tenth of the world's population and that number turned out to be or a, oh, right. a tenth of the Australian population yeah. of women at that point or something? Because mm. it's such a specific number to have gone for. It was. I would imagine they th- maybe thought there was a bit of a joke in it. Though it is a comedy standby that specific numbers are funny. But, yeah, this is true. That's where 42 came from. It was literally just an amusing-sounding number, according to Douglas Adams. And you can always argue the Cohen factor of he knows exactly what he's doing and he just never actually admitted to it. But, uh, yeah. It was funny, actually, because... Not the movie, obviously. Well, no, this was the thing. During a wee break, as we were sort of collecting ourselves, I actually asked Daria, it's like, we've really deep-dived on literally just the plot of this film. Was it that shallow? To which her response was... Yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, it was. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, whether or not my deep dive take on the first one as being a self-referential, this is what we're now doing, except that we're going to have fun with this, there's just nothing in it. It's not the funniest... $2.3 million in it. it. Yeah, it's not the most pornographic depiction of sex by that period. It's not the most amusing depiction of sexual hijinks by that period. It's not... Even a particularly unique Australian take on the concept. I do. Yeah. It was simply cashing in. More and more as we recorded this, I believe Daria's right. They knew they had, you know, it's a little bit like somebody now says, oh, there was this Norman Gunston character. The things I know is that he was really, like, unaware and he would always ask inappropriate questions and he was never able to shave correctly and so we should do something with that and literally that's all you have and you build another character from scratch with only those aspects and not anything yeah. else that fed into who Norman Gunston was or, mm. or something. So, yeah, swing and a miss. Yeah, and they could have gone places. They could have reversed yeah. the trend of the second movie. Can you imagine the daughter of Alvin? Maybe Melvin no, Gloria. No, she would a... have to be gay. This suits me. Yes. Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing at all. But the that's not the audience Actually, these this, films. Well, hang on. So the 80s were the power period. It was one of the periods where you could get actively sexually aggressive female characters in things, even mainstream movies. I mean, yeah. famously, you had... Alvin Purple, Alvin Purple 2, Alvin Purple 3. Grace Jones in View to a Kill, basically owning Bond and indeed actually owning Roger Moore. Roger Moore's interview about his sex sequence with Grace Jones is hilarious. There is a fairly solid classroom rumour from that that Grace Jones actually wore a strap on when she had the sex scene with, not used it, but just wore it as an amusing sort of take. So you've got that sexually aggressive female as an established Mm. trope. Yeah. If you're going to do something themed with it, 
go for it. Go for it by 12. You know, turn it on his head. Can you imagine how incredibly almost progressive a, a female Alvin character would have been in the 1980s? I don't know. Would it just be slut-shaming? Well, it depends you, on how it's handled. You would have yeah. to do it as they basically did almost none of the sexually aggressive or dominant f- female characters of the time because for them it turns out that that's their entire personality. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean... Melvin's entire personality in this is I don't want sex and I'm a man. It's not like, I mean, because the Well, this is, is that... part of the problem is that in 1984, as a man, he's assumed to have more personality aspects. Yeah. That's right. Oh, God, oh, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah, you would need to establish it. Yes, baby. What is it? Should We've killed the octopus. Oh, oh, well done. Oh, here. for a moment I thought that was pants. <laughs> You've killed the pants. She just overheard that you're allowed to drag knickers around. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You would need to pre-establish a character for the female before you could then, before you could then add layers. Yeah, which it, is it'd be easier to do now in 2021 because you tend to at least have the assumption that women in films have personalities is yeah. a broader thing. Mm. Yeah, there's still issues, but it's not the same issues as it was then. At least not to the same extent. Mm. So. Trying to think with an 80s hat on, do we... <laughs> Sorry, did it? Yeah, yeah, it's, cool. yeah it's, it's a very bright hat. With <laughs> very also, wide I've got to say, how hard do you find that? <laughs> well, mm, okay, fine. It's, it's the cap I wear most of the time and the colours change. But would they have tried to make a point? Would anybody at some point early on go anything beyond, let's imagine, Alvin only more? Like, because at least the first and the second movie, Alvin is ambivalent to sex. Not interested. He's described himself a few times. He doesn't get any pleasure out of it, but it's just what you do. Yeah. With Melvin, we make them afraid of sex at the same time as we establish that the power's there from literally day dot. Yeah. So all you've done is you've taken Alvin and you've turned it up to 11. Yeah, or taken the supposed premise of Alvin. The supposed premise of Alvin. Because as we've seen, the execution did not always match that. Hmm. No. Were they doing anything other than that? Were they trying, do you think? Did they... So what's the 80s sensibilities? You've got the power, you've got... There's not, there's not a whole heap of that, is there? There's not a whole lot of the riches and the power if you don't... Because even the one little area where you could argue that they're talking about, you know, trying to get riches, it's not that kind of 80s riches with the... Well, it the, is with, for Burnbow. Well, no, but Melvin's He's parents, exploiting someone well, yeah, to get all the money. But that's the thing. I mean, Burnbaum's almost a, a weird kind of a pimp character. Well, absolutely. And Melvin's parents, almost as I said, the Hyacinth Bouquet, they're almost the kind of old, established you know, trying to get into the landed gentry style thing. There's nobody, you know, seizing that kind of 80s greed is good aspect. Mm. So you're not kind of planting, and admittedly it's hard to do within a decade, you're not planting an 80s stamp on it anywhere. Just Well, I think outside of that finance and power thing, because when I see this, I see, and I don't know if this was actually in anyone's head or if that combined with the earlier hey what would the older alvin be like remarks Mm. because i also see this is the era when stuff like porkies and meatballs and all Mm. those summer camp and Mm. what the breasts look like movies are hitting the cinema or the nascent home video market Mm. and someone says hey we've got a sex comedy franchise and sex comedies are back in a different way let's bolt that Onto that. Mm. Yeah. Maybe greed is good. Doesn't just go for money. It goes for the number of women. Oh, no, I completely agree with that. That's certainly a thing too. So in terms of 
86 comedies, this date stamps itself entirely for me. Okay, yeah, all right, no, I can see that, yeah. Like I said, I mean, I didn't imagine for a second we were going to have, like, a sensitive handling of any of the particular material that they were dealing with, but being cured of not wanting sex Mm. seemed like an interesting overarching arc to go with. Mm. Maybe it's thought that, you know... I mean, I've kind of given them the benefit of the doubt that it's not so much curing him not wanting sex as... He wants to cure the thing which stops him liking sex or love on any kind of regular level. All yeah. right. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. Yeah. yeah you and said that before. Yeah. Yeah. That's... To me, the last bits of Gloria illustrate that because he's not hiding under the bed. He definitely seems to want to be there with her. She wants to yeah. be there with him. He wants to make love romantically instead of fuck 90 women in a row. That's cool. That's fine with me. There are 90 women in a row fuckers out there. That's cool too. <laughs> not here to yuck As we yum. said, yep, let's not king shame. So, yeah, I saw that as actually one of the things that did work in the movie. I think it gets derailed a bit by the mad science bit. And I suppose... It is possible, and I think we've gone back and forth on this right here, to see if the weird science did in fact affect his decision later. I simply saw him being snapped out of it and reset, and that it was more his adventures and seeing what his dad was like and snapping out of his shell, which would have had something to do with it because sure. Gloria has had that effect on him mm. in a more general sense, not just in a you-can-like-girls-now sense, yeah. and showed Gloria there's more to the world too. She does seem a bit more worldly than him, but, you know, this would have been her first seize the bull by the horns and solve a crisis in a couple of hours moment. Mm. And in fact, when she goes to her mum and mum won't help her, she goes, right, then I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to my dad to get this and I'm going to go to Melvin's dad to get this Mm. and I'm going to get his friends to do this and I get my cousin who is really just there so we can have another, uh uh-oh, a chicken joke. But (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, this movie goes so far from passing the Bechdel test that it's almost around the other side and back again. But Gloria herself is a character. She is a properly established, comfortable, immune determined character who does yeah who does her own thing and as you say you know when every other avenue is closed she just fucking fixes things herself on the merit of the actors i would say you could do this film right oh god yes yes see unlike say plug in which i would say paul said plug (laughs) there is the kernel of ideas that just went astray and completely scattered between potential and result in this yeah but you can see some of the bits where they could have done it not so horribly problematic. They could have done it with some better dialogue. They could have made the jokes actually sound like they're from the same movie. Mm. <laughs> God, yes. They, they could have not made you feel awful for ever having liked sex ever if this is what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. There was potential. And I guess maybe this is one of the reasons why, as I said, plug is plug. Plug was shit. I'm sorry. Plug was one of the... One of, it is the worst... Cinema release movies, I believe, I've seen to date. This was bad, but only because it could have been so much better. I would go, it could have been so much better, and also it was actually bad because it was bad. Oh, it was bad as well. Yeah, (laughs) all right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Fitty, fitty. Yeah, and look, the interesting thing is that, as we've maybe commented or not, we're not talking about complete no-hopers. Dari's already mentioned Morris Gleitzman's writing cred. With producers here are the McElroys, basically everything that's Australian. Tim Sanders moved on to Lord of the Rings and Frighteners. Wilma, sorry, I don't know whether it's Chanella or Scanella. She did You're Living Dangerously and a couple of others. There's people who know what they're doing behind this. But it, yeah, it's just mm, what it was. And what it was was not great. 
Well, we kind of had to speculate out some of this because there's remarkably little about the making of this film. And yeah. what little I've heard very much gives me the idea that no one who was involved in it wants to talk about it. <laughs> yes. I think we might have mentioned, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it on air, The it is available as we speak at least on YouTube of yeah, all places. On YouTube. You can watch it. There's lots of boobage. So if you watch it a lot or it gets attention, it may vanish from YouTube. But if you particularly want to see the cut that we saw and there's discussion about different edits, you can. I don't think there are different edits. No, I don't think there are. No, right no, now. not that we were released, but there was discussion about different cuts and things being removed and things, yeah, being left on laws and stuff. If Umbrella particularly felt like they needed to complete the triumvirate. Don't bother. It Sorry. <laughs> would be, no, it would be interesting if they managed to sit anyone down and that find out what amazing. the fuck were you thinking. Yeah, exactly. I would be prepared to see this purely for the features, purely for yeah. the what were you thinking, the commentaries, the interviews and whatever. Probably the only three people that think that. Well, there's at least the people that listen to the podcast on a regular basis might also be interested. Well, I so, could find no other podcast reviewing this to do the YouTube yeah. go see someone else's review thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It got 4.6 stars on IMDb at the moment. I think it was from like two reviews. Currently no score on Rotten Tomatoes. That seems most likely because there's not enough people. Exactly. It. Yes. It's not a well-known not movie. People. And yeah, I think I've said everything I needed to say about this. Yeah, I have too. I mean, I'm, I'm giving it that one eggplant. It is not as bad as Plug. It is not good. <laughs> yeah, we gave Plug nothing, didn't we? Yeah, I just yeah. re-listened to our Plug episode. It's zero, zero, zero. You can picture <laughs> each of us holding up zero cards at the end of our little chime goes off. Look, oh, I'm going to give it two random clocks in a room full of clocks just purely because... <laughs> It's part of the triumvirate, and it's worth watching if only to see how badly someone can fumble something like this, but don't seek it out if you don't need to. I can imagine oh. that DVD extra starts with Jerry Saunt walking into an interview room and just saying, oh, you want to talk about one of my old movies? What door just clicks locked behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, we're recording this in early 2021. The guy who did Black Mirror produced a mockumentary about 2020 as an entity. He's got a lot of really good stars. It's called Death to 2020. One of the people involved is Samuel L. Jackson. And it starts with Samuel L. Jackson sat down going, OK, so what do we want to do? And you hear off screen someone says, OK, we want to talk about 2020. And he goes, why the fuck would you want to do that? No, really. Why the <laughs> fuck would you want to do that? So, Jerry Sont, a career actor with over 100 professional stage, film and TV credits. Studied originally in London and later New York. From his mid-twenties, he worked constantly in television and became a household name. At 35, he worked for NIDA, where he taught acting and TV presenting. He became a senior trainer for NIDA's corporate division, blah, 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 blah. Today, he's an affiliate lecturer, UNSW, and works with full-time MBA students, facilitating business presentation skills. He consults to Australia's top-tier medical, legal, architectural, and financial organisations. He is married to French-Lebanese actress Anna Yaja and runs Theatre Eccentrique, which specialises in plays not originally written in English, which they translate to bring onto the Australian stage. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I've looked at his Twitter, which isn't very populated, but did talk a little bit about that work. Yeah. That's really cool. I want this guy to come and run NFSA. Victor Hotel Papa Mike Yankee is now actually a home-built plane. So the registration of the helicopter that was used in the film. Thank uh, you. They're now some <laughs> weird little home-built thing. And I want to point out, I'm not using, like, kind of knowledge from work that I shouldn't be sharing. That shit's available on the internet. Yes. Anyway, sorry, yes. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't have a rating for this. Just don't watch it. Don't watch it. No. Just saying don't your watch it. Your rating is yeah. no. Your rating yeah, is no. Rating is just yep. no. There you go. They can be your ratings. Nope. Nope. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Moving into 2021. From now on, November's rating. Yep. Or nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. There we go. That's the summer of Alvin. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God. So we don't know if it would, well we don't know if there are any other exploitation connected trilogies we could ever do another season of. Well, there's Mad Max. They're notionally all of them are exploitation. Actually, Summer of Max yeah, kind of works. That's a good idea because it's hot and deserty and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so possibly tune in next twelve year. months. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it'll still be this year, December. Tune yeah. in in December. Well, tune in to all the oh, episodes please in tune between. in between. Yeah, I was going to say. Tune in just... December because we're just dropping this right here, right now, because Callum just laid it on us. Oh, we're doing the Summer of Max, which is nice. almost certainly doesn't have a third installment as ropey as this. Yeah. God, no. <laughs> Hell no. And, yeah. And on that bombshell. Do we lift the curtain and say this was the first movie that broke us in recording? Oh, fuck yeah. Because yeah. admittedly it was like 40 bajillion yeah, degrees I, in this little recording room. I was certainly giving the heat at least an assist. Yes. <laughs> this is true. We were literally sweating balls. Sweating balls. We Jeez. were literally sweating at one point. I don't know why I was going to say literally sweating bullets. We were, we were literally sweating our ass off at one point. And we were literally we, doing that. <laughs> just, Jesus. We, just stop using the word literally. It was hot. Just right. with that. It was really it fucking was hot. It was really fucking hot. We were and sweating as hell. So and this movie was so bad that we just got so grumpy at it that we had to stop. <laughs> yeah. Literally the first movie that broke us. Even yeah. Plug didn't manage. There you go. Alrighty. Alright, but I guess the next one's Valentine's Day. November. The love pandemic. The love pandemic. Wait, the love epidemic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pandemic. We've just been living through a pandemic. <laughs> I think we're getting all our Demics. words for lots of disease. <laughs> all right, the love epidemic. epidemic for Valentine's Day. And do you want to, for the first time in ages, spin the wheel for what's going to come after that? Sure, Ooh, God, yeah. the wheel. Yeah, sponsorship. Mama needs a new mixer. Yep, so as we just spun sidecar races with the March episode, but until that or Valentine's Day, I've been Daria. I'm still Callum. I'm probably November. And thank you. Have a good autumn. (laughs) Have a good autumn. Dear God. Thank you for listening to Callum, Daria and November on Podsploitation. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash podsploitation. Contact us via podsploitation at gmail.com or as podsploitation on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to support the show, donations can be made at paypal.me slash podsploitation. All clips are for review and commentary purposes only and remain the copyright property of their holders. Melvin, son of Alvin, theme by Laurie Balmer. Podcast theme music is Creation Time by Kilo Cats. Used with their kind permission under Creative Commons. It can be purchased at the usual three W's dot musicbrass.de. No oysters were harmed in the making of this podcast. Podsploitation is a moment of mayhem production. Thanks for joining us. I'm Terry Willisey. I'm Don Willisey. I'm Richie Willisey. I'm John Willisey. I'm Danny Willisey. I'm Kamal Willisey. I'm Elliot Willisey. Or Jonathan Willisey. And this is Peter Willisey. I'm Ma- Ma- Max Willisey. I'm Phyllis Willisey. And I'm Andrew Willisey. Hello, I'm Mr. Red Willisey. <laughs>